Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan. I'm with Rob McIntyre and Trace Armstrong. We are here to talk about the Duel 2, episodes 4 through... How many did we watch? We watched four episodes, right? Seven. Four, four five, through six, seven. Four seven, seven. Four through seven. Yes. If you want to listen to the first part one that we did on this, you can become a patron. I don't know what, when we're going to listen or release... This will go out publicly eventually. All yeah. of the Chronicles will. We'll probably do, we'll probably release, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 minutes of this on the public feed soon. But if you want to get it right away, you can become a patron and subscribe for $4. We're also trying something new with video today. So it's possible. I think there's a low probability, maybe like 10 to 20% chance that you may get a slightly better video version of this than you uh, typically do. So there's that. Uh, I don't know. Let's just get into it. Let's talk about it. Let's, we don't need to do any housekeeping stuff. So I thought these were pretty good. Definitely not as good as the first three episodes. Uh, there were definitely some parts that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm Rob probably knows, or but I think Trace has watched this season relatively recently too. Um, I'm interested to see from my, from my own perspective, how the last three episodes kind of pull all of this together because I think going into the season in our top season rankings, I had the island behind Duel 2. And as of right now, through this rewatch, I would probably move the island ahead just f- from what happened at this well, point. I th- I, th- I still re- I literally like the Duel 2. I had a, I don't really have it that close to my top six, honestly, but I still really enjoy this season. I think the thing with the Duel 2 is you have an unbelievably chaotic episode at the beginning, and you have an unbelievably chaotic finale at the end. But then in between, there's just really not the, as many dynamic storylines I used to get on a lot. I of feel things. like I remember the first, like the the first three episodes that we covered. I feel like we're all pretty solid because you also get the drama with Evan, and it's pretty much the house. And it's not bad. Like I don't think any of these episodes are bad. Yeah. But they're, they're just not like it's just not like I don't know. There's not like a Jordan Johnny rivalry like on Free Agents. There's not um, like a Ninja Laurel moment like on War of the Worlds Two. There's not like even like a West wow. Bay rivalry. From oh, World you just mean as far as the right? You, you don't count CT. Yeah, just in terms of like that aspect of it, because it's just not so non-competitive between the sides of the house. There's definitely like a big divide. This is definitely one of those seasons that pretty much happens right around this era of the show, where one dominant alliance rules over the entire game. And the people on the bottom of the alliance have no chance. Like Ryan, Davis, Nehemiah, Isaac, these people have zero chance. Dunbar. Like no chance whatsoever. Especially because yeah. Evan, Brad, Mark, and Landon were all in alliance together. And what was it? Two or three of them won every single mission, right? It was Evan, Mark, or Landon won all of Land, Landon, Mark, and Evan won all of the missions, and even yeah. the eliminations. I, there's only two eliminations that are won by guys outside that alliance, if you include MJ. Yeah, that's like, it. It's, it's unbelievable. What? Um, I mean, we would know it wouldn't be one of Devin's favorite season if there wasn't one group that was in power for the entire season. That's true. So. <laughs> that's true. The slaughter rule. I'm trying to think if I yeah. like any. Like, what? What would you? Do, what season do you think is the closest all the way through? War of the Worlds 1 is very competitive. There's lots of parody there, for sure. Yeah, X's 2. Though I guess everything goes with X's 2 is once you get to the final itself, Sarah and Jordan have a pretty good lock on things. But that's pretty competitive, we, especially when... Banana. We also didn't know for uh, the first War of the Worlds, we didn't know how good Turbo would be in a final, right? Like, we didn't know, like, mm-hmm. his level... Yeah, but there wasn't anybody who was else was there that, like... 
like everybody there at that time was kind of unproven to a degree. Like Hunter had just won the previous season, but that was with Ashley. And then like the people who were left around in the house and make the final. Like Wes is back after a while. He hadn't been in a final in forever at that point. Yeah, so, so it's just hard to there say. There's just a lot of uncertainty. Well, you know what's interesting? In terms of big names in a final, I mean, the end result turned out to be a bit of a disappointment. But the Battle of the X's one final had Bananas, Camilla, uh, CT, DM, Ty, and Emily. Five of oh, those see, I think six Rivals people. Two is kind of a better version of that. You're not wrong, is that? But there's also who is the uh, Jimmy kind of sticks out as like the outlier, kind of like how Ty sticks but out. She's as the at least outlier like a notable character. Final. Like I would say, Jimmy's definitely got a bigger. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's just more of a recency bias thing. But like her compared to a Ty, for example. But I just think you get like you get Johnny West and CT all in a final, plus Jordan, who's a very big character. Marlon, you know, only has the one season, but he's very good on it. And then on the female side, you have. Kara, Paula, Emily, Dude, cooking her one great season. I always forget that Frank was Johnny's partner that season. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I forget all about that. How far did they finish? They were Twitter rivals. How far did they finish yeah. behind uh, CT and Wes? Wes and CT. You know, it's hard to say because they don't even finish the whole final because they don't ever do the last stage, I don't think. Really? Wes and yeah, CT they were so a full stage point. behind. It definitely didn't seem very close. Like, there's only one stage. They're, they're, so they're at the fourth stage at the same time. But that was a super, super long stage where they had to carry back the, um, what are they called? The gurneys, Bodies, basically, back the gurney body yeah. things. And, yeah. like, you're, you're, the thing is with those things, you're never going to get a reliable source on a lot of that. Well, actually, did, unless if there's, like, the other side talking about they it. They did come out and say that the show showed a different amount of, like, like gurneys that they moved. They showed a different amount than they actually did. Yeah. They showed a, a, a smaller amount. And that was one of the things I can't remember who talked about it. They just like didn't get why. It was Wes. I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, it's to. like yeah. why would they show like a smaller amount? Actually- well, if they if they say if they say the real amount, then it seems like it's a lot farther apart. Whereas if they say it's half, then it seems like it's a lot closer. Like Johnny and Frank are actually pretty close to catching For up. The, at that well, point. I, I feel like the like from the perspective of the the people that do the show, like we don't know like uh, like how much time it's going to take to do it because either way it was still a lot, wasn't it? From what I remember, it seemed like it was pretty time. close to a lock. CT is really good in that final too. Like he he's like Wes is definitely does his what he's supposed to do, but CT is like a kid. so what's what so what are the other seasons where it's closest all the way through? What, what was the what, War of the Worlds one? Duel is pretty. I would say Duel one's pretty close. Honestly, this I see Double Agents was pretty close in terms of like we didn't know who was going to win going into that final. Were we like confident that confident anybody for this? No, this last season, no. As far as like physical, I mean, I was, well, but I, that was for a different. No, I, I, I know. In, independent of that, just talking about. The people yeah. in the final, would you have been? And like Leroy and Case were the one who won all these missions. Like they won five missions. So the double agents, I would say, is very competitive. Um, yeah, if we if we went back to it, I'm sure we could come up with a pretty good list. But it, it, there is definitely like the challenge see, is certainly not immune to seasons where one side just swamps. The I think other. we've talked about this before. The most competitive team season is probably Gauntlet Two, correct? Or is it Inferno Three? Um, so yeah, there's more like Inferno Two's close, Inferno Three's close, Gauntlet Two's close. Cutthroat's pretty cl- well. Actually, Cutthroat Great Team kind of rolls to the missions and makes die out in the final. Don't the badasses in Inferno Two kind of pull away to some extent? They win a lot. Of they the win a little bit more teams. of the eliminations. Yeah, they win yeah. eliminations. Landon's the only person on the good guys team to ever win an elimination that season. Um. But then it came to the final, having the small team was the silver bullet to winning that. Yeah. We've seen that, which makes it even, 
you wonder what would have happened if Coral wouldn't have gotten bit by a spider in the first gauntlet, right? Because that was another situation where they probably won. Yeah, where like a really they probably would have won. They were way ahead when they when that happened. Yeah, it was a really small team versus a really big team. They were far ahead when that happened. Yeah, they were a decent yeah. amount ahead when it happened, and then her sitting there, the other team passed them. Like, oh well. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. Inferno- That's one of the crazier things. Like, I feel like we almost didn't cover that enough when we talked about it. Like, getting just bit by a spider out of nowhere, and it's a bad spider bite that's like poisonous enough to. Yeah. Um, well, she's allergic. To the spiders, thing, right? another thing too is like they're just in Colorado. You'd think, oh, they're in like some exotic location where Scott Coral nope, gets tell bit you by this mysterious spider. <laughs> they're they're in his backyard. Yeah. Tell you right. Tell you right. Yep. cool. If either of you. Yeah. So to kind of tie this back to the yeah. duel too, though. Looking back at this in hindsight, Evan like kind of ran the table this season with as many dailies as he won, as many eliminations. He had to win two. No, Evan. Because uh, Evan I mean, wins. Roll through the missions, man. Landon, yeah. how Landon wins like. He wins almost. Landon wins see. one, two, three, four. He four wins all the missions but four. And Evan wins two. How many does he win? No, he wins Evan four wins total. Two. Landon only wins Landon. four total? I thought it was more. No, no, no. Landon guess, wins four total. I guess there aren't that many missions. No, five. Season, I'm I sorry. Know. I miscounted. One, two, three, four. He wins five. Evan wins one. And then Mark wins no, two. Evan wins two. Because Evan wins the spelling bee and the first one. Um, yes. Because there's, there's nine total trace. Evan wins two. Yeah, oh, Evan, that's right. Episode nine. Evan won again. You're right. Never mind. The yeah. way this chart is set up is not exactly... <laughs> Easy and, to see. and Landon wins five. Yeah, it's confusing. If anyone's looking at the chart on Wikipedia, it's because they mix the colors around a little bit. Um, yeah, it really? was like, wait a minute, he's not that color. Mark and Evan are the same color. Yeah, the jersey distribution but, is one thing I always wonder. How much thought goes into that? Little. Like there are some seasons where like six teams are the same color. It's like this is just something another another thing that proves I need to be involved in production in some fashion because that would not be happening on my watch. Very good at color coding. <laughs> Um, they definitely move away from that. I feel like they get to the point where, yeah, they definitely do. Where one team is the same color. I don't what, like how. Why was this so difficult this season? Did they just only have so many colors? Like, well, like, like there's like half the cast is in green. Like MJ and uh, Nehemiah show up. They both get the same color as that Landon already has. It's it's a it's a mess. It's a mess. You have to remember that back then too. Like their their relationship with Under Armour was like wasn't new but it wasn't exactly a priority it was loose. <laughs> so they got what under armor gave them <laughs> now they actually have some sway yeah, with under like, armor because they still challenge merch well now they don't even get color coded the jerseys anymore like on world of the world's one they didn't have color coded jerseys they were just like oh, four different colors camo, they just right? handed out randomly they're just camo colors but they weren't even matched up with their pairs like you know like hunter would be in one color and georgia would be in a different color it's very very annoying all right let's do it episode four uh, they start out with Evan playing with some sheep outside. He says he's coming off a big win, and he saw he says chicks love winners. So that's how they start out episode four. Uh, do, we, do we think Evan likes the sheep so much since that's how most of his alliance typically behaves on his season? Some huge symbolism going on <laughs> uh, by the editors here. Evan yeah. herding the sheep, tending to his flock. Yeah, Tori says that she. <laughs> Not afraid to go in uh, to DM because she has something to go back to at home. Ruthie and Nehemiah talk about how the duel is, uh, in their eyes, they think it's somewhat as a fair game because still at the end of the day, you have a chance to be able to call in whoever you want and when to stay there. 
Katie and Ruthie start to wrestle while they're drunk. And then the last scene that we get before the challenge in episode four, Jen and Rachel talk about their relationship and about how they're each on the opposite side of the house. And Jen brings up how she like doesn't even talk to Rachel this season after they were really close in the island. Um, and she said that she has had like as many conversations uh, with her. I, and I think it's funny. She picks out, she's had as many conversations with her. She's had, it, she like thinks for a second, she's like MJ, you know what I mean? Like someone like who, like, I don't think she's ever been on another season with and who like came in part way. So I thought that was funny. And they said that they need to find like a happy medium uh, while they're there to, I guess, become closer. Oh, they found one. Yeah. Uh, they found moments one. later. I wouldn't call it a happy medium. I think it's a happy, like, hard in one direction. Yeah, they go hard. All you have to do is wrestle, apparently. If you wrestle on the challenge, you're going to wind up under the sheets. A lot of hookups this season. Like, is this the season with the most hookups of any? No. No. Uh, Gala 3. There's a lot of hookups. There are so many. Gala 3, the off screen hookups from. Yeah, but uh, I guess. The shit show showed so many hookups that were not on the 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 main season Let's piece just go, of it. It was unreal. This how one, many they're like multi episode and like politically involved hookups. Like it's not just like somebody sleeps with somebody and that's it. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. somebody sleeps with somebody and then they're like so conf- conflicted about it later. And there's a lot let's, going let's go down the list real quick, very, very quick. So Nick Brown, don't, isn't there? Don't they show him with Robin at one point? Like Robin sitting on his lap. Not to say that they hook oh, up. Do they? Yeah, don't they? Trace. They did. Like, I don't know if it was a hookup. Are they just like talking though? I don't or know. What are they doing? That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying I don't know, but they show okay. that. Uh, Adam King, no. CT, no. Ryan and Davis with each other. Oh, no. CT, yes. No, CT, CT was involved. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. Impactful hookup. The most, yeah. the most impactful hookup of the season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nehemiah, no, because Beth isn't there. Uh, it is too bad. Isaac, no. <laughs> Easy, no. Dunbar, no. Isaac Kim. did. Isaac, who? Isaac did. It was with, um, he, with he said it on the reunions. I've already watched the reunion. They went through the some of these hookups on the reunion we didn't know about, and that was one. Evan hooked up with Rachel at one point at the beginning that's of the season. I was talking about stuff that's actually shown on screen and there's like a part no, of like your story, I, okay. but that is still I'm, crazy. I'm even talking Fair about enough. just like any like mention of it, like any information that we have. So, but like with those ones, there's so many we don't see. You know what I mean? Like Johnny was like hooking up with people seasons and we'll just be like, be the one person who knows where the cameras aren't. So Dunbar, Kim, Derek, I don't think we have a whiff of anything. MJ is married. Landon, I don't think we know anything. Mark, no. No, Landon, no. Brad, Tori, but I mean, they're engaged. And then who did you say Evan was? I would imagine they hooked up on the season. You said Evan hooked up with Rachel? At the very beginning of the season, they talk about it on the reunion and Rachel was really mad about it. Them talking about it. Man, that's a, that's quite the battle of the X's team if that ever got put together. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like Darrell and I'm, I'm Rachel hooked up on public. their road rule season. So, okay, yeah, Darrell and Rachel well, on their road rule season hooked up, and so they could have been battle of the X's too, and Abram too, and Abram too. Oh, he could have had Veronica or also- Rachel. <laughs> This is also yeah 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 two. This is pre X's. It could have been a third trio team. So people weren't thinking in those those terms as much. Um, oh yeah, no. All right, so 
mission for episode four is called Losing My Mind. The prize is a wireless uh, car router. And yeah, so you can like get internet in your car. I think it's just like a hotspot. So this revolutionary. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just sort of no Um, Those companies lasted about five seconds, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, contestants will c- compete in guy-girl pairs, and the mission will take pace- place on a luge track. On the sound of the horn, the guys will run up the side of a mountain on the tr- on the luge track. Once they get to the top of the track, they will run down the other luge track. And once they get to the bottom, or well, no, no, they won't run down. They will get in a luge where they actually ride down the luge track in a luge, and they're pretty much these mini cars which you can kind of I don't know steer, and they have brakes, but they're pretty basic. Once they get to the bottom of the track. They will tag their teammate in, and the women will go through the same process. So it's, it's pretty much just a relay relay race. Once both teams have completed this process, they will solve a puzzle at the bottom of the track. And TJ makes a point to emphasize that this is the great equalizer, the puzzle. The first team that wins finishes uh-huh. the puzzle wins, and they will be doing the whole mission while wearing a giant bobblehead. So it's pretty much just kind of this like giant lampshade or lampshade that they put on top of their head that moves back and forth and makes it slightly more difficult for them to win. This is a fun one, right? This follows pretty much all the principles of kind of what we think of for like, or the the main principle, one of the main principles that we've come up lately and just having everyone go at once, pretty much. This is fast, you know. Everyone's going at once. Very wacky mission. Yeah. Very wacky. Right. How is this not called the wacky races? Now that that I think about it, this should definitely be called the wacky races. (laughs) It's a good one. I like that. I love that cartoon. Uh, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's exactly right. It's quick. Everybody kind of goes at once, but it's easy to follow. And then on top of that, it's completely and utterly ridiculous. And you could see them doing this exact mission on like Inferno 2. Yeah. So um, we can just talk about this generally too. So Landon pretty much dominates this one for the men. I think he finishes slightly ahead of Evan when they get to the top. And then that, that's a summary. Landon finishes ahead of ahead of Evan. And then DM, who is partnered with Evan, passes Brittany, who is partnered with Landon. And so DM and Evan get a slight head start on the puzzle over Landon and Brittany. And then Landon and Brittany win in the puzzle, which is no surprise because he had, where does Landon rank in all time uh, greatest puzzle people? It's hard to say because like so much of that's just based on how much you know sample size we have on it. He's very good though, and you don't even think about that as much of him because he's so good at everything else yeah. too. But he he's money with puzzles. He's good at everything. So yeah, if you remember the he's Fresh Meat Two season, uh, Fresh Meat Two season, he's all over the puzzles because Carly was not helpful on any of them, and he solved every puzzle on that season. <laughs> um. So one year for Halloween, when I was you know I'm like ten or eleven or whatever, um. I wanted to be a box for Halloween, so we just got we just like a big cardboard box. I was gonna walk around as a box. Um, so what we did is we got a shirt and hooked it onto the inside of the box, and I wore the shirt, and the box would kind of just dangle around me, whatever. Um, I got so sick and nauseous from being inside this box, just because I don't think you appreciate how something dangle around like that, and like how just like out of it you did get you from that. Rules? So I bet you these people were dying. Did you have something to look through? Um, well, no, I was like, like we cut out like a hole, like I, I, I kind of forget, but yeah, we cut out like a little hole for me to look through so I could see. This is some like really creative stuff hmm. going on for your Halloween costume, Rob. 
Yeah, see, I was never a very traditionalist when it comes to Halloween. I was always out there with my Halloween. I was, I was a box one Where, year. I was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich another year. They're all, all homemade costumes. Dude. I'm making all of these. Um, I was did a you caution do the Charlie sign Brown another year. You- no, see, that's that's what I'm saying. I can, if there, if it could come up in like, I, if I'm wearing a Halloween costume, nobody else is having that Probably. Halloween costume. Nobody's even having something close. I, I am being there's, I my number one objective is to be something that is you know not going to be seen. Mosley would be appalled with you, Rob. Like if you like appalled, appalled yeah, you'd be disgusted with like the lack of creativity going on here. If he oh, come lack of creativity, he, please a lot of creativity. when you when you try and interview uh, to be a member of production and you have to sit in front of Mosley. And he asks you what your Halloween costume was when you were in the fourth grade. He's going to be like, next. <laughs> Whistle. Wow, Whistle please. There's right so much out. more creativity with that than just, know, just like I'm, being you know, a, a, a jack-o'-lantern or whatever people are these days. We, if I ever see Mosley, we'll, we'll have a costume off. How about that? We'll, we'll get a theme, and then we'll have to throw a costume on. We'll see how it goes. I would probably see, eventually I would lose this because I hate Halloween. No, you just have to be a judge. You don't have to participate. I would venture to guess that Mosley has okay. never lost a costume off. Well, you know, he hasn't gone up against me, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. Back at the house. It could be uh, in Rob's top six moments of his life. Yeah, which is... Well, got, depends, on, depends on the result. Which everyone would be shocked to know how many people actually voted on that for... Uh, it, there's sure. no way it's not just Devin and his burner accounts. There's no way that, that it, no. it existed beyond anybody from that. Devin moment. would have had All to right. pay for those accounts, so I don't think that's uh, a problem. I think those were legit votes. <laughs> no. Back at the house, uh, Jen tells Paula that she thinks she hurt her shoulder, and when they show it on the camera, you can kind of Jen moves her shoulder around, and you can hear it clicking while she's standing there. So it definitely seems like it's in pretty rough shape. Landon and Brittany go over the list for who will get thrown into or who they who they decide that they want to throw pick first. But they do think that Paula Dunbar, Nehemiah, and Jen are going to be the bottom people on the list, regardless of kind of who they pick in their alliance to be the first one. Jen says that she went to see the doctor, and the doctor recommended that she not compete anymore. And she at this point, it seems like the way she's acting and the way that the narrative is being pushed it seems like she's going to quit and she's going to go home uh then she goes and talks to nehemiah nehemiah has his like zen room which he built up with some candles and oh did we have the did we talk about the notes no we're gonna get there that's no because that doesn't happen until Uh, his episode it's next episode oh that's right that's right That, that, that happens here so that's the very next scene where dunbar landon and mj talk about nehemiah's quote of the day and Landon said that <laughs> the quote of the day was pretty much directly pointed at him. And it was pretty much just like, like watch your back. If you think you're in power, I don't know. Or like some, you are not a guy. Yeah. So this is the, I think this is one of the reasons why initially I didn't care for Nehemiah at all. Like, I feel like a lot of the people, but see, I think this is great content. Yeah, it's fine. But the thing is like, if you're not in power, like don't be bitter that you're not in power. You know what I mean? Like try and figure something out. Like, this is definitely like the the stage of the show where like people in power like try and like really make these like like mean arguments about the people on the top really just because they're jealous well, they're yeah. not there you know what I mean it's like I don't think it's like a great way to handle the situation um, uh, yeah and I mean I mean but the thing is even now when you have like sometimes with newer players or just based on how a season gets portrayed you'll even have some of that happen now where people will have. Like World of Wars two for example people were complaining about people in power all the time yeah but um, Nehemiah is they. I feel like they're still like fr- 
friendly with them. It's more reference to the game. You know what I mean? This like seeps out of the game. It's like, he's like attacking who they are as people. You know what I mean? When by all accounts, like no one has ever like complained about Landon before. I don't think. Uh, He's had some other incidents from like his real world season. But yeah, at this point he seems like a great, he seems like everybody's got pretty good reviews on Landon. But I just think, I mean, for my, I just enjoy it because I just think it's so, it's just hilarious to see like the, 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 you know, everybody's realizing that Nehemiah's quotes of the day are like just targeting certain individuals in the house. I just think it's great from the beginning, but like, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where I just think that's what you expect from everybody at this time. Yeah. I mean, that happens in each of these seasons. It's every, any situation. There's nobody who's like, oh, you know, the people in power are just trying to win a significant amount of money and they're going to play a game that lets them do that. It's, everybody's always like, oh, their integrity has been uh, chastised and whatever. So this is what it is. I'm sorry. I, I go back. It's the Kenny Tuch- Santucci uh, explanation of the challenge. It's a business trip for them. They're there to win money. They are not there to, you know, be it's, it's show business, not show friendness, basically. Because you even think at this time, everybody's like still attempting for the most part to play a game optimally, right? You know what I mean? Like everybody's still trying to. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe not, maybe not, but like, I don't, like you see a lot of that happens with the Brad and Tory discussions this season. But people are still attempting to put their best foot forward in terms of winning. We mark. I feel like so. we went through the seasons at one point and kind of went down the list and talked about when there was like a big shift in the way that the game was played and about where it became less of a vacation and more of a show, right? Because if we, mm-hmm. when do you think that happened? Like, when do you think like the big, we talked about this it's really it like was, fresh meat to duel. Yeah. The duel is about where it really kicked in fresh meat. There was a lot of people there still treating it as a big party. When they got to the duel, it was like, Okay, and then by Inferno 3, it was definitely a show. Fresh Meat is definitely when the shift happens, because that's when Derek turned... The DM said, the DM one. Yeah, yeah. Derek turns the on DM and Derek turning. And that would never... Uh, on Theo, not Darrell. On Theo, excuse me. Well, and by, and by yeah. proxy, Darrell to some extent, because they were all... Sure, yeah. And that would have never happened on prior seasons. Like, that would have just, like, not occurred whatsoever. But there still are, like, the, the both of you mentioned... Uh, aspects of that season where it is still a vacation. And I feel like we've heard stories uh, come out about that season, about how it was va- a vacation too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. I think it's just a case by case basis. With this season though, I mean, Landon talks about, he just wants like the weakest to go in. Like he's not really trying to target. Like let's be real. Like if they, what if people were really trying to win with like their first priority, this top alliance, like they probably should be taking some shots at each other really at some point here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they still definitely seem to have winning as their foremost priority and not some integrity, uh, whatever. I mean, I, I actually push back on you, Rob. To me, if you want to win, why not align yourselves with the three other strongest players on your side? And then at some point, one of you has to leave. So you're going to wind up picking off who you think is your biggest threat. And they all agreed Landon was their biggest threat. So to me, oh, you also got the pants, they did so. do the right thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the strategy that's adopted in the in the seasons, kind of in this area. Is the strong people? It's the Evan Kenny strategy. Yeah, the the strong people align with each other, and by doing that, someone within your group will most likely be in power, 
and that will help carry you to the end of the game. Like that's pretty much, and it, it also helps when you have some agreements on the side about exactly. the, how the money will be. You know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it really works out for them because they're all splitting the money. It's there. just a, it's just a lock at that yeah. point, right? Like there, it's just not even. Like, I mean, the oh, gaunt, yeah. you just need something like Gauntlet Three to happen in order for it to really switch. Because when you when you like put that into context, there really isn't any reason why you wouldn't want to do that. It's pretty much just a lock for you to have money. You know, it, it really is the safe bet. Um, yeah, do we want to like? I mean, that's. I think that that's going to be a pretty important factor of these next few totally. episodes. We want to just fully clear up that situation. Yeah, go now. ahead. Totally, I think that's a good idea. So uh, th- this season, I would say, has probably the clearest reporting outside of the battle of the X's with Mark and Johnny about the cast members at the top splitting the money between Evan, Mark, and Brad. For sure, we know Trace. You're probably well aware of this, is too, too, right? Yeah, the top four all agreed to split the money and let Evan win. So the top four, Landon included. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if he was included or not, but we know Landon also said that, that on his Challenge Mania interview that they were all in on it. Because that was a, he was them. the one that brought up the Canadian taxes, right? Yes, that's mm-hmm. why they wanted Evan to win because Evan could collect the money in Canada. What was the, yes? So what was the net amount that they won? So did first place only win money this season? The top two won, right? No, the no, top, the three, top all three all won. So you just throw yeah, everything in the big win. pot. You throw everything in yeah, the big pot. Throw it on the big then... pot. You might as well have the biggest pot be the one that's going to get taxed the least. So, right? what was so. the what was the total prize package for the men this season for money? It was like a hundred k for first place, fifty for or thirty five for second, and I think 15. it's one hundred thirty five for second, and then fifteen for third. Yeah, for both for both on uh, each set. Yeah, so on each the men and the women. So one hundred and fifty so was... total for the men. Yeah. yeah, and we'll get to it soon, but I think that's something that's a pretty important factor in the Brad and Tori discussions that the show obviously isn't going to bring up directly. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so they're each walking away with close to $40,000. That's not bad. Um, yeah. All right. For back then when they only filmed the show in a month, that's a really good month. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't suck. Yeah. Unless, unless you uh, owned Ethereum today, then you had a really good day too. So. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> What's the Canadian equivalent of Uncle Sam? Is there one? I don't know. The Maple Leaf. Uh, um, um, I should have texted Pat this earlier. Uncle Sam is a robber. <laughs> the Mountie. Wow. I was just going to say who who comes and collects the money like we say Uncle Sam does. I wonder if they have anyone. No, the Canadians are so polite, they just give it away. They don't need Uncle Sam. Oh, I see. Yeah, they don't, so nobody comes and collects it. it, it it's just thrown in, in a Mountie They just hat surrendered and... of their free will, eh? You should text him and ask him who the equivalent of Uncle Sam is. I'll text him right now. I'll text him right now. It's ten forty his time. He's got two little kids, so he's definitely up. That's what is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's he's one hundred percent awake right now. Uh, that's, that's the yeah. Matt, what is the Canadian equivalent of Uncle Sam? All right, so we get to the selection. Uh, Landon and Brittany choose Rachel. Nehemiah, uh, see, this is the this is I think this was the quote that really bothered me. He says. Nehemiah says it's a beauty competition and they're all ugly inside. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Just don't be like that <laughs> bitter that like you're not in a good spot in this game. Like figure it out, you know, do something else. I, I know. It's just, it's just what everybody does. No, I don't think and I just think does he it. does it in a way that's honestly more like entertaining than other people. At I'll, least. I'll, yeah. Like I'll definitely say it's like entertaining and it brings something to the show. Like I, that's definitely like one of like the positive yeah. aspects to this, but like, I just like, I don't appreciate that from my. Like, look, I, I completely get it. From I completely get where you're coming from because I'm the exact same way. Where like when people are complaining about people playing a game optimally, like everything about everything involved in this is like I just don't buy it. But I just think it's what everybody does, or not everybody. But the vast majority of the cast does. Definitely at this time, for sure. Like most of the people. But at this not. time, but even now, like even now, people complain. 
but I, I, they complain, but they still like don't attack who the person is, right? So like, who was on the? I don't know, man. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. yeah, for sure. But I feel like it happens less. I guess that's my point. So like, who is it? I mean, with, with uh, like a War of the Worlds two, Josh is complaining every single episode. It, it, he has six minutes of screen time every episode. Where's War of the Worlds two gets pretty vicious though. I, I like think about the yeah about the last two seasons though. Do you feel like that's happened the last two seasons? In double no, agents, with the last action. two seasons, the format's been so different with the skulls. Yeah. Like, there haven't been that many people that would even really it'll, have the. It'll be interesting to, to see if it comes back this next season when the skulls aren't skulls. Um, I hope not. Oh please, no skulls, please. Challenge the challenge gods. Answer. What do you think, Mosley? Unless it's a team season, if it is a full-on actual team season, I'm all in on the skulls. What do you think? It just gets so complicated at that point. What do you think Mosley... I know, that's why it would be interesting. What do you think Mosley thinks of the skulls? Do you think he's pro or anti-skulls? That's a good question. I don't know. He's definitely anti-skulls. Mosley hates skulls. You think Mosley hates skulls? I I would hope Mosley hates skulls. That's the correct decision. All right. Mosley has no opinion. Why? I feel like Mosley, like, I think the thing is with Mosley, I think he could get really into the skulls. Like, he'll walk in, like, and, like, be wearing, like, just a massive skull. He could be, wa- he could be dressed like the Punisher every week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could have a different skull-themed outfit for each elimination. Like, he could get walk really in into that. the skeleton so I, I, one week. Yeah, no, I think so, he'd be all skull, actually. Yeah, I think he just likes the, the costume opportunity it provides. Dress up as a Guar band member, you know, just really... Just yeah, see, that's the differentiation between me and Mosley. Mosley needs motivation for his costumes. Mine just come right out of my own mind. Nehemiah, Renaissance man, Rob McIntyre. Nehemiah and Jen are picked last, or the, they're the last remaining. They don't get picked. Nehemiah swings for the fences here, and he decides to pick Evan. So this is Evan's second straight elimination cycle in a row that he's called in by the last person left for the men. And uh, Evan has a good moment here. Not happy about it. He, he comes up to him and he's just pissed at this point. You know what I mean? He, he's like seeing red. He's not thinking logically. He just goes up to Nehemiah and goes, "That's a gutless move," <laughs> and just calls him out. Which really, it's <laughs> it's a complete opposite of a gutless move. You know what I mean? Like picking Evan is like the most. Bald- it's pretty ballsy. Yeah. I guess from his perspective, it's that he was just in the last episode. But like, yeah, this is it's not like he's taking a an easy shot. No, like that's like pretty gutsy. So they start to talk trash back and forth a little bit. And then it gets to the point where Jen picks who she wants to go against for elimination, and she takes Katie, which, looking at the cast, that's the exact right move, right? It's not a bad pick. Like, who, who else would you pick? Yeah. Women? No one. I mean, I I feel like Trace and I are a bit more home run hitters than you, Devin. You really like your singles and your doubles when you're looking at elimination opponents. So, like, I think this... Chipping at like a Tory might not be the worst move. I would have probably gone Katie or Tory if you want to win. Like if I mean, if you're trying to stay. No offense to Tory, what has she done on this show that has ever been impressive other than complain? She, I think she's not bad though. I think she's like a she's not I horrible. Like I mean, she's won two, she two out of three the, seasons, and both those wins are kind of weird wins. She but. has the moment from. Uh, Gauntlet three, which was pretty impressive in the the mud uh, rugby thing, where it comes down to she has to oh, yeah. she she has to win for her team against one of the women to force a tie, and then CT yep. and is it CT and Evan go against each other or who goes or no CT I, and no it's Derek? CT and 
Derek. Derek, yeah. I think. Uh, Derek McRae, yeah. CT and Derek, Derek was yeah, their team C- captain. And CT just yeah, works him into the ground. Um, I mean, she's good in the she's good in the cutthroat final. Like, I don't think she's bad. I just think like you could she's in the top group, and you could someone perceive her being a threat. Like, I think that's not a bad or Brittany, honestly. Like, I think Brittany's a great athlete, but I, I like I, I just have much more of the perspective that like, look, I want to. I'm in such a losing situation. Like, I think it's just so much easier to luck into an elimination win than it is to just play this string out and end up going out six. Well, I think the bigger the bigger strategy here, because, well, Jen's not on the bottom, but she's not at the tippy top either. So she's playing the middle, which was always Jen's game. She never, yeah. like, made well, like, bold you're saying moves. she's playing the middle. She's she the played now. straight down the middle. Well, not yet. She's not. She will be in a couple episodes. Right now, she's right in the middle. But she's at the bottom, like of the list. She's at the bottom. How did she? Let's talk about this. How did she get to? How did she get to? But that was because of her injury more than anything. You think so? I don't know. I think that the way the alliances play out this season, Jen and Paula really end up just getting left out in the cold. Let's talk about that. So, how does Jen end up at the bottom of the list here in episode four, and then makes it to episode eight where she's finally eliminated? Like, what happened there? Like how did she- I don't know. I think that they just don't care towards the bottom of the list, and Paula gets saved a little bit earlier a few times because people feel bad for her. So like she gets kind of brought up the list a little bit. Like I think she's pretty much at the dead bottom at, at this point. I don't think it really changes that much. I just think it's people don't care really about the bottom. Who does Jen get partnered with? Uh, for her, MJ. it's easy for most of it. After Easy goes home, who's her partner? MJ. It's MJ. She, right? had, she doesn't have one at that point, right? Because no. after that one, it's the pooling mission. You're right, and then she's she's gone. MJ was with Anissa. I'm sorry. Yeah, because so I guess it was Big Easy. Like I, well, like, I thought he like, was with Katie most odd, of the time. Like if you put if she she's like I mean she's good in this elimination season now. Like if you put her up against well she's um, against Katie. Yeah, like I just think if you put her up against Brittany or if you put her up against Tori, I don't think she's at that big of a disadvantage. And I think you have a chance to actually to like shake something up. I don't think she's winning. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. And let's go back to what the point I was trying to make. Sorry. So Jen always played the middle. She never made yeah. bold moves one way or the other. If you're on the actual bottom of the alliance tree, which this I think was a fluke more than it was anything. If you're on the bottom of the alliance tree, kind of like Nehemiah was, you have to swing for a big dog because you need to, you're going home anyway at some point if you don't. So you might as well take your shot because if you can mess up that alliance, you can start to shift the balance of power in the right direction. But it just didn't work I, out for him. Because the thing is, too, if you take out Brittany, let's say Landon now doesn't have a partner. We don't know who he's going to partner with. You would assume, it's just, like, who would he partner with at that point? Uh, Depends on the thing is though that like th- this is definitely hindsight, but Brittany wins this exact elimination against Diem in the last uh, mission or the last elimination before the final. Um, no, I know. So who? I, let, let, let's let's go with the question you just asked though. Like who does Landon pick as a partner? Um, Landon's not political, so it's really whoever's left over at that point. Which is Jen? Like, is... I guess it would have been Jen. Or do you think like, that's a pretty good move at that point? If you can be Lana's partner, like I'm rolling that with, Or does he go with Kim? Or no, because she was Ruthie. Mm, Ruthie yeah. was really attached. Well, she was with Nehemiah because they do. They've known each other for a while, Ruthie and Landon. Yeah, but it seems like the top of the alliance really doesn't want much to do with Ruthie. Mm-mm. She's a wild card because she won't vote the way people want her to. 
I think you. I think more that the more I think about it, I think you swing for the fences and try to take out Brittany. I think if you take her out, Lena frees up as a partner. You don't know what's going to happen there. And also, like at the very least, at that point, you put a chink in the armor of the group that's going to suffocate you at some point. Like to get Devin. Like, what's your overarching plan? Here? My overarching plan is that if I win, I at least have a chance to for someone at the bottom of the top alliance to like see the light of day. That they're at the bottom of the the alliance and they're not going to make the final the way that it currently stands. Right. And that there's 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 both so this- there's hold on so that there's more people outside of the final right now than currently exist and people have said it explicitly on this that they have to get Landon out right people like say in these episodes that we're going to cover that they have to get Landon out of the final because he's going to win the final so people are aware of this like I think the so for, I think what you're talking about m- makes more sense in a couple episodes the people that we're talking about that we've talked about this to the to this point have no fucking chance of beating Brittany or Tori in an elimination. They just don't have a fucking chance. Like I don't think uh I don't think Jen has no chance to beat Brittany or Tori. I don't think, I don't think that's I don't think, Katie, I don't think that's I don't a think Katie Doyle has a prayer to beat some of these people. <laughs> I just think there's sometimes there's like with these eliminations, like look at what like when Kimberly beats Ruthie. Ruthie is overpowering her completely, but sometimes you just luck into Wait, it. What elimination is Nehemiah beating Evan in this season? I mean, Evan kind of cheats in this elimination to be real. Like he does. He he's like standing up in this elevator. Then he sits right back down. He was way behind cheat. though. That was the thing. He caught up doing it the right way. Yeah. No, but he. I mean, he stand, I mean, to say. He, Cheats or doesn't cheat? If, yeah, like, I, I, don't know. Know. I would he, not say he cheats in this. Like he's he's like up he, he's pushing the limits of the rules at the very. He like least. Gets, he's up for like Evan two seconds and then like gets right back. If anything, it cost him time. It doesn't help him. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, regardless, okay, I, let's get there. Let, let's just get to the elimination real quick because we're like two right, fifteen right. away. All right. So uh, Jen chooses Katie to go in. Uh, Nehemiah picks elevator for the dual game. Jen gets pushover after the. Selection easy helps Katie train for pushover, kind of having Katie run into him. Jen and Rachel talk. Jen says that she wants to stay, and Rachel says that she has a weakness for Jen. Jen or Rachel kind of just goes into the room while Jen is kind of packing her bags and getting ready and just lets her know that she's here for her. Evan and Paula uh, talk, and Evan, this is kind of where Evan just like is just even fuming and even more just sitting outside. He's just like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this again. Like, I was just in, like, what is wrong with these people? And he says that he didn't expect to go in, and he says that Nehemiah is an idiot coward. And uh, they really, like, Evan has some moments where he does not look great this season, especially last episode in this. Because last episode is where Nehemiah is, like, calls him a bitch to, like, people. And, like, they kind of have Evan, like, sitting off to the side. Like, remember, like, reading his book on Yeah, he's reading whatever, like, whatever Eat, book. Eat, pray, yeah. love. You pray love, yeah. And that gets us into the elimination for episode four. And for the minutes, Elevator, if you want to know what Elevator is, you can go back and read to the first one because if you've made it this far by now, you know what Elevator is. You kind of just, you kind of pull a chain. <laughs> Thank God, Revan. You pull a chain, Thank you. <laughs> you pull a chain and the person in the opposite that you're going against, that pulls up this box that they're in. And your goal is to raise the person that you're going against in their box as high as you can. All right. But TJ does make the point to emphasize here that weight is not a factor. So it's pretty much just how fast you can pull this chain. This one and when MJ goes against Dunbar in one of the last episodes that we're going to cover today are pretty close. Like, because they do give you a good angle of where the finish is in relation to where you need to get. 
and both look like they're mm-hmm. very competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no editing chicanery with this one. No, and it looked like Nehemiah had it in the bag until he slowed down about three quarters of the way through the elimination. You know, he was doing really well, and then all of a sudden his strokes looked like this. One, two, whereas Evan was going like the whole time. Yeah. And Evan caught up. If anyone's seen those cardio machines that they have in some gyms where you kind of sit down and there's a rope in front of you and you kind of just like pull down repeatedly. That's pretty much what this is. It's, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so Evan at one point does, because I guess you, they make a point to say that you do have to sit down while you do this. And Evan tries to, I don't know, like sit on his, get on his knees. How much does that really, how much does that really help you? I'm trying to like think through it right now. I don't know. I'm not a leverage expert, so I'd have to think about it. I think, it probably helps a little uh, bit, but not a lot, right? Yeah, but T- TJ then tells him he, Honest, needs, he needs to sit down, and then he sits down again real quick. And th- that's kind of what does make it look like Nehemiah is going to win, is Ev- Evan looks really flustered uh, here. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was my point. I think he got up on his knees and stuff because he borderline started panicking. Yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm, this is tough. Like, I can't quite get this. So he's trying to adjust, and he's on his knees. And then finally he just has to settle in and deal with the – discomfort of the whole situation <laughs> so evan wins nehemiah goes home uh i don't have it written down but i'm sure he makes some snide remark on his way out as well <laughs> about how everyone else is ugly um yeah because um, it's funny because the, I think Nehemiah- the two of them probably like to this day they probably dislike each other as much as like any people on the show, right they have to be yeah oh I mean, yeah after, especially after evan completely dicks him over in rivals and it's funny because in this season, so as we record this, we're watching Challenge All-Stars the first season. And Nehemiah is great in this season. Um, I think he's fantastic. Um, What's funny, too, is one of the first quotes he has is telling Latarian, look, you have to be political to like win this game. Like You have to know. It's like he, they, they, compared to this season where that just does not seem like a priority for him. He really, he really needed to go to the West School of Business, and then he, he came back out with a, a few <laughs> lessons learned. All right. Uh, so Evan wins and we get pushover for Katie and Jen. And it's pretty much just like you get two pads and you have to push the other one off this platform. And the first person that can push their opponent off twice wins. If you want more details, it's in part one of this podcast. Um, Jen wins the first round. Katie wins the second comes down to the last round. And Jen seems like she wins pretty easy. She almost, did she, I don't remember, but did she just like kind of lose her balance in the second round and that's why she loses the second one? Yeah, she just slips a little bit. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at where there's just some of these eliminations where just weird stuff can happen and an upset can occur. I just think it's so much easier for an upset to happen that way than for the political balance to be upset, which just what's the What's the biggest upset that we've seen in an elimination like that in this era? Like to this point? Like what's the biggest upset? Uh, Frank MJ with hindsight doesn't seem like an upset, but going into it, I mean that was probably a pretty big upset. I don't know. Frank's a pretty I big I think the too. biggest upset ever is uh Katie versus uh what's his name on the first Inferno. No Inferno elimination can count in any upset. <laughs> I mean Katie won two eliminations that season. The one with the itching powder where she was smoking a cigarette on the treadmill. And if then she won the one where they were in like and win. Like I'm sorry, it's no longer being asked, considered. He asked, "What is the biggest upset that we covered it. to this point?" 
I think no you gotta way. go Katie on the Inferno, to, man. Any Inferno elimination, would, it's like a 60-40 proposition at the that moment. Actually, like it's not any that would actually require some skill too. They had to like go under and hold their breath, right? Wasn't that it? Oh mm-hmm. my god. That, she this had is to like no they laid mistake. in the they it's laid in the David little aquarium looking thing. Who is yeah, like they, What's the it's, uh, David Burns has consistently shows Lisa? No, no, there's anybody who consistently okay, shows okay. less effort in challenge related events than David Burns. No, no, there's like okay, no hold on, like him hold on, on paper, you have never seen Inferno One. And Katie is portrayed as the spaz who they don't want on their team. He might be disinterested, but he's still a dude. And this is the era of the challenge where the dudes are dudes, man. On paper, you would give Katie what a five percent chance to win that elimination? No way! We're on the inferno. These eliminations are like just not even Rob, anything. You say that though. These eliminations are flipping the coin. You say that though, but what are the eliminations from the, that happen around then? The, or the big upsets that happen around then? Like what are they? I mean, I, I, how do upsets exist? Is kind of what I'm trying to get at. Like, I know they don't, they're, they're, on, they're not a lot. They don't exist. That, that's why I'm saying that I don't because. I think this is an uh, well, a Rob, crazy name take. Like, name some. Like, what are the big upsets? But, but what I'm saying, but what I'm, what I'm attempting to get at is like, I don't like it's like the the people who are going into eliminations typically. I'm not like having a big lean on who's going to win going into them at any point. Like, it's like, all right, sure, that person won. That makes sense. It's these eliminate. They're like they're, they're running itching powder and running on a treadmill. <laughs> And it was a jump rope competition. It's still about, I answered his question. Like, I don't think there's a lot of big... There you go. I don't think there's a lot of... I think, no, no, I, I honestly, like, we, we completely missed it. The, the biggest upset to this point by far is Theo and Shonda losing to Tina and Kenny. Uh, that is a good... Theo, that is a big upset. Tina and Kenny have been completely incompetent to that point. Theo was, like, well, one of the, the best players in the challenge the, in the history of the show. What's the weight distribution on the luggage there? Because that's pretty much what that whole season comes down to, is weight distribution. Yeah, I guess you can look at it like, because yeah, you'd have to look at that, which is a big factor. But I, I do. But the, the, and those eliminations are like pretty representative of how good somebody is, regard outside of the weight distribution, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, that that fact that's the whole season right there. That Casey and West pretty much carried no weight, while all the other people had yeah. like three times as much to them. I think at some points. And by the way. I, I'm going to have a bone to pick with this because I didn't pick this bone when we covered the show because I didn't realize it. But Wes, Wes and Casey, okay, Casey's not awesome. But who did Wes and Casey exactly beat that season that was so impressive in an exile? Danny and Evelyn. Okay, Danny. <laughs> Evelyn wasn't Evelyn yet. Uh, Melinda and Ryan. Johanna plus team. No, no. Johanna and Jesse. Tanya and Johnny. Like, Shane and Lynette was their Sh- only Shane and Lynette are probably win. the best of those For teams. Sure. Yeah, the Shane rest of those good. teams. And they're carrying, yeah, the rest of those teams, it's like, man. And they're carrying uh, close to 60 pounds more than Wes and Casey. Um, mm-hmm. So Theo and Shonda are carrying like uh, like 22 pounds more. So not insignificant. It's pretty much just an extra 25 pound plate that sits around at the gym. That's what they're carrying more in that elimination verse. Casey and Wes. Distributed uh, between two of your show notes on this one. <laughs> it's on the Wikipedia yeah, for those page, of you that are Patreons. Uh, no, the weights are not. Yeah, is it that's the bottom? No, no, they are. No, they are. They are. They are. Yeah. Never mind. They are. They are. My bad. Okay. Let's 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 finish four. All right. Back at the house. Evan brings his luggage back. He walks in. 
and he walks to the wall where Nehemiah keeps his quote of the day, takes it off the wall and tears it up and throws it on the ground, <laughs> which is a good end <laughs> of the episode. Rachel and Jen, this is the actual one. Rachel and Jen wrestle out on the lawn and apparently Joel, Jen's shoulder is good if he's good enough to wrestle, but who knows when, the, from where in the season they took this from. Um, yeah, that's true. And then, and then they go wrestle somewhere else. Yeah, they wrestle in a bed under a blanket. Um, and, and everyone kind of like goes up and like listens to them hooking up. Isn't that weird? Kind of that that happens. Like at this, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was watching this, that like, that's a thing that always happens is like people go up and like listen into the room and like sneak up in the room while like they're hooking up. That would, like Paula jumps on at one point. Yeah, that she? would like never happen now. You know what I mean? Well, no, I mean, Maria throws a pizza on Brad and Brittany on Vendetta. And he loses his mind, right? He's pretty upset about it. Well, he's also like bug eye Brad that whole season. Yeah, so. Righteous Brad is in very much full effect, <laughs> and that's that's like be the the king midlife crisis. Midlife crisis Brad and is entertaining. Brad, righteous Brad is going to make another appearance here very shortly. This is oh well, yeah, very very much <laughs> going to happen quick. So episode five starts and they celebrate Easy's birthday. They well, it's Easy and Dunbar's uh, birthday, right? Brad and Easy's, excuse me, Brad mm-hmm. and Easy's birthday. It's right. Brad's actual birthday and Easy's birthday is coming up. They have a party. And I thought it was kind of funny when uh, I think it's Easy is walking in and Dunbar is pretending to be the security guard. It's pretty good. Uh, Paula flirts with Dunbar. It seems like the security guard's a pretty competitive position at Challenge yeah. parties. Like people are in on being the security guard. CT is usually that guy. So like yeah, Dollar Three, that was CT is very frequently security guard. Um, I remember this past season. Did they do the security guard for the bubble? No, the they bubble really didn't. No? Well, there's the one season where big, there's the one time where Big T and CT are all like uh, spruced up. All right, so Anissa gives Easy a lap dance, and then uh, Isaac jumps in too to give Easy a lap dance. It's just debauchery uh, ensues throughout the night, and then we cut to a different scene where it's pre- this is Isaac's character moment that they built up here in the episode that he goes home. Um, MJ tells Isaac he kind of like because we don't know when MJ pulls him aside here but he pretty much pulls Isaac aside and tells him that like everyone really likes him and that he's not going to go home anytime soon so I don't think MJ would do that like right before Isaac would go home you know what I mean it doesn't seem like something MJ would do and it does seem like do we know are we confident this was filmed then at this point no I don't know like we don't I don't know. We could go. It may be. It could be from anywhere. We, we could go around and look at the people that were in the. Uh, yeah, we I, we could Zapruder film the people on this and see. <laughs> I'm, I, I just think that's going to be something they move. But it does seem. Uh, it doesn't seem. Like it, it does seem like everyone actually does like Isaac. There are a lot of people that could have been left they out do. before Isaac too, um, or that could have that they could have like had held on to longer before they... It doesn't died. seem like, outside of Nehemiah and then Dunbar to some degree, the guys like really dislike any of the guys at the bottom. They're just not as good as the guys at the top. Yeah. Um, so Isaac passes out. Everyone starts to draw on his face with a Sharpie. And then this is the uh, big plot point or big pivot point for the episode. Landon cuts off uh, Isaac's toenail, which he said he'd been growing out for months. And so this is a, a large point of contention. Uh, DM and Ruthie so sprinkle flowers on the ground and in the, Tori and Brad's bed to kind of like make a romantic an attempt at a romantic scene for the two of them on Brad's birthday 
And is there really, are you able to be romantic in a challenge house? I mean, aside from the CTDM kiss on the rock, like romance, like actual romance is hard to find on the challenge. Yeah, but like, I mean, some of the houses are pretty big and the seasons do get to a point where there's not that many of them left. You're on like a twin. So I think in some cases. You're on a twin fucking bed, like sharing a room with other people. Like how how romantic can this get? Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're in like the free agent's house, which seemed huge. It was on on the market apparently recently. I was thinking about getting a cohort of people together to buy it, but, you know, couldn't round up the dudes. <laughs> um, but get a museum. Uh, I just think it's a cool house. The free agent's house looks amazing. That, that house is awesome. That's way off track, but yeah, that house is pretty awesome. And that's a how an amazing house. The basketball yeah, like court. A, seriously, like yeah, beautiful. But they um, that's a, that's a pretty big house, and I mean, they get down to just six of them. I think they're actually down to eight. What time they leave? You know, you could have enough space. I think. Yeah, but that's one season, as opposed to. I know. I ended up saying it's very, very think rough. About, very think rough. about Gauntlet 3, remember? Remember where Gauntlet oh for the yeah. rookies? Bananas and Casey in the shower. Well, in Gauntlet... It's also such a young cast at that point. Like, if you're around people, everybody's my age, basically. Like, that's not a good in scene. In Gauntlet 3... It's basically summer camp with a camera. In Gauntlet 3 for the yeah. rookies, they literally put them in, like, a pool shed. And just shove a bunch of, like, <laughs> bunk beds in there. That was the old pump house, is what they were in. <laughs> They did, like, man, we, we talked about it a decent amount when we were watching it. They do really shelve the budget for that season. Like, they're in Mexico. They're barely leaving out of the country. Like, they're in this tiny little hut for the rookies team. There's so many of them there. Um, they were this close to being canceled. Yeah. I like, mean, literally it was, it, this close to being canceled. You could tell the show was in flux at that, mo- at that moment. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, there was the whole last minute, them deciding that they wanted it to be hour-long shows as opposed to 30-minute shows, too. So, yeah. um, Dunbar has a moment here where he said the dumbest thing that he did was give up his bed to MJ when MJ came into the house because it distanced himself from the dominant alliance, and he felt like he was just... Let- yeah. And I think that's actually a really good point. Like, I mean, that was pretty fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. No, I think You just lose so. way more face... To- I don't know why he did that. I don't. I bet. I bet you like Mark and Landon said something. I bet you the, those group of guys were like. I bet. Well, I bet you Kim was in the other room, and he was like, "My priorities are over there." So then he he left. Well, that and I have a feeling just Landon and MJ are BFFs, and so like Landon, Mark, and Evan come to you and go, "Hey, man, would you mind bunking so MJ could bunk with us?" I mean, if the four top dogs come in and say, "Hey, would you please give up your bed?" You're gonna give up your bed. <laughs> so well, I said, yeah. Well, didn't Landon and MJ have kind of a falling out after the real world season? No, sure? they have like matching. No, I'm sure they were. Landon and MJ? They were solid. No, they're good. I, I had heard, I had thought from one of Landon's interviews he did that they had a falling out. Maybe to a certain point, but in Gauntlet 2 and in this season, they definitely seem pretty close. There's not a hint of. They don't, we don't see them talking together though. Like we don't get like best buds scenes like we get from like. But Landon is such a boring person on the show. Like they don't really show him cutting loose at this point. This isn't Inferno 2 Landon that was staggering drunk up the stairs. You know, it's a different Landon. All right. We get um, Anissa and Ruthie talking about Ruthie's position in the game. They talk about who will be on the bottom for the next day. Ruthie says that Anissa promised Ruthie that she would pick Isaac in the selection, which would mean Isaac would then pick Ruthie and Ruthie would be safe. We don't actually ever, I made a note on this, just to be fair, we don't ever see Anissa actually promise this. So if it happened, it happened off camera, um, and that'll come into play after the mission. You'd think they would try to show that as much as they could, right? So I don't know, it either didn't happen or, or they just didn't get it on film. Yeah. 
This is also yeah, the year yeah. too where yeah. they had days off where the cameras were turned off. You know what I mean? They I don't suppose, do that anymore. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, we've seen the Anissa Ruthie food come back with a vengeance and all stars now. So it seems like this was definitely something that started and uh, did not end here in uh, New Zealand. Derek, uh, this is the last scene before the mission. Derek tells some um, got a bug flying around here. Uh, Derek tells some <laughs> story like I don't know what this was like some like exaggerated like fictional story about Landon cutting off Isaac's toenail. Um, <laughs> this is just a build up the moment where Isaac calls out Landon later on in this episode. Um, Derek, tell- oh, all right. Then we get into the mission for episode five called Don't Let Go. Contestants will be split into guy-girl pairs. There's a giant swing suspended above a platform over a river 360 feet high. One member of the team will be harnessed to the swing while the other member will hold their team member while standing on the platform from falling from the platform into the canyon below. The team that can last the longest without falling wins. So you pretty much have to stand over on this platform, hold your partner. Once you let go of your partner, the partner swings over this canyon um, this wasn't bad. I didn't hate this. I don't know why. It goes against kind of our rule, but I still thought it was mildly entertaining. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, it's okay. There's a lot of heights this season, by the way. Like, I mean, every challenge season is going to have plenty of heights type missions, but it's, there's like five in a row at some point. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's because the reason it goes against all our rules, but it's still enjoyable, is it's funny but on the other hand, too, it like doesn't take all that long. You know, they show yeah. like ten seconds to in show each it. Team. Yeah, you know, like it's over pretty quick. Like it, it goes fast. It, it is funny to it is fun too to just see how the different pairs interact because this is this is like let's be real, this is basically a partner season at a certain point. Like these people are in pairs consistently, so it, it is always interesting for me at least to see the different dynamics between the pairs and how they they yeah. approach you, the situation. Do you remember uh, a river runs through it? Both of you have seen that? Yes. I do. Trace has definitely seen it. You know, at the beginning when uh, the child actor brings Tom Skerritt his like thing that he's writing and Tom Skerritt keeps saying half as long and like hands it back to him and has him redo it. If the challenge producers came to me with their edits of the show for <laughs> the mission, that would be me. I just hand it back to him and say half as long, half as long, half as long. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, yeah. what the funniest moment, though, of this mission was by far DM and Evan. Like, DM freaking oh, yeah. out. You're going to go to the goal. You're going to go to the goal. You're going to go, go to the goal. Yeah, I, I love that. I thought that was so funny when she was it telling was him so, that. It was so – and watching her spaz out, too, while she's swinging was just really yeah. funny. Like, I – that actually still makes me laugh out loud when I see it every time because it's just – I could see my wife in – my wife has a similar hairstyle – Stuff like that, and so like I could just see my wife having the same reaction, which is probably why it's so funny. What do you? Is the move to do the like double two hands separate, or do you cross them over? I think you cross them For over, sure. right? Because that's what you yeah. see. You cross, and that's what you see all the men at the end do. So apparently there was some advantage because they kept doing it toward the end, um, and that's just another clear cut example of why going at the end is such a big advantage. You you can pick up on something, yeah, especially in these types of missions. I mean, really what this one boils down to is the female with the best upper body strength is going, they're going to win because I mean, with the, on the male side, all it is, is about finding your right leverage and balance point where you can tense up and hold it as long as possible. 
on the female side, it is much harder to hold from below and up no matter which way you do it. So it really just comes down to which female has the best upper body strength. And by a long mile and 10 miles even is Rachel in this. So it, to me, as soon as this happened, it's like Mark and Rachel, Mark is the tallest male. Rachel is the strongest and tallest female. It was just like, they're going to win. Even if you'd never seen this before, you would be like, they're going to win. So you think you come, you think there's a lot more variability on the female side than the male side. I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, the only exception to that would be like big easy and Katie, you know, cause Katie is tiny, tiny, tiny. Oh, she, well, okay, Katie's gone at this point. Exactly. But big easy, if you've got big easy, and he's strong. He's got he's country strong, man. There's just something about that. And he's able to hold like that. And Katie is smaller than Jen. Like he probably could have held her for a long time. So it's funny because who was it's there? It's hard to tell, but it doesn't seem like they do that well. Yeah, I'm not sure. What I was going to say, though, that's interesting is that TJ says that this wasn't even close and that Mark and Rachel won it by a significant margin over the people that came behind them. So I would be curious to know what the actual. Uh, distribution of times was here. Yeah, no, I would be too. Like, you, you say big, you think Big Z and Jen would be good at you. Do you really like, what do you think they ended up finishing? I, I don't know how well they did it at all. Oh, you mean Big Z and Katie? Jen. No, they're with, I don't with know. Jen. Jen was uh, he's first. with Jen, but I'm saying my theoretical thing was that oh, it was like Big Z and okay, Katie. I, would, I, would I don't think, think they would have. Katie are pretty similar though. I would, just, I would think Jen's better than Katie. Mm. Well, Katie's just lighter. I don't, I mean, Definitely. I don't know. I don't even want to check that, but like, because I mean, Katie, I know Jen's small, but Katie is smaller than Jen. So, I mean, my only thing with that is, is I, I could see them hanging on a while, but the real X factor is the upper body strength of the female, because if she's able to pull herself up and hold longer, that it's a, it's done. Wow. Well, that is what happened. So, all right. Uh, so Mark and Rachel win back at the house. This is where we get righteous Brad starts to percolate to the top. <laughs> Tori and Brad uh, and DM talk about the lineup. They uh, talk about if Easy's at the bottom. And Brad says that uh, Tori wants to make a move in the game. And he doesn't want to screw it up. At this point, DM's gone, I think. So it's just them. But he says that they're in a good spot and he doesn't want to mess it up. And Brad, then I think at some point, this is in a conversation with, uh, I don't know, it may be with her, maybe with someone else. He says that he feels like he's sacrificing his game for hers. Um, Kip, uh, he's talking with MJ at one point about that. I think that's in a conversation later. I think we're going to get to that. I think that's still to come. Where they There's another conversation later with MJ where he talks about like he feels like he's like she's got his nuts in the drawer, basically, yeah. is what he's yeah, saying. Yeah. So Kim and Eisen, that's later. Kim and Isaac talk. Uh, he says that. He thinks he has a pretty good chance of going in. Kim says that she hopes that they call in another rookie instead of her. We get to deliberation and Mark and Rachel pretty much say that they just want to protect their people first and they don't get much more specific beyond that. We get into a scene where it's Rachel and Ruthie talk with each other and Rachel... Anissa is there too, right? right. Um, Ruthie pretty much... Or Rachel pretty much tells them their game plan, and um, R- Ruthie kind of gets a little bit confrontational here. Um, 
And Ruthie says in a confessional that she knows Rachel is lying by the way that she, Rachel is pretty much giving her political speak. Um, and I thought there was a very interesting confessional here by Rachel when Rachel said that she thought that Ruthie was her biggest competition there in the game. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's interesting? To some degree, but like if you look at this female cast, Rachel's really the only one with any level of track record besides Ruthie. Like I, the, the two, it's the two of them. And like Anissa won a few eliminations on the duel. DM's been around a while, and then DM's been around a while, and she's been okay. But I think Ruthie, like Ruthie, just has kind of that aura from Battle of the Sexes one that's always stuck with her, and it, it hasn't always been delivered upon when she's been in the missions. But and I mean, she wins the one this season. Like she still clearly has a few things she's very good at. How does she? So, how does she go home and gauntlet too? Does Anissa or Beth beat her? Um, Beth beats her in the just a reverse tug war. She's got no shot. Yeah. Like it's just a pure weight competition. It's a weight thing. Yeah, yeah. She's got no shot. She beats Hisella though. Remember when Hisella throws it? You say Hisella, or do you say Yisella? I assume it's Hisella, it's Yisella, right? right? I feel like I hear people J's or Y's. like a, a different like flair on that, depending on how Hispanic they are. Oh, on all stars so far, that's how they've pronounced it. So I'll roll with it. Kind of like how Darrell can't say Kara. He always says Kara. He cannot say Kara, no matter how hard he tries. It always comes out Kara. <laughs> Kara Maria. It's true. If we ever had the two of them in the same season, like I just wouldn't be able to do this. It'd be impossible. Because even when Kara is on a season, it's difficult for me to remember. Um. <laughs> all right. You mean Kara? Exactly. Rachel... Okay, we, we get done with that scene. We get a random scene where Brand, Brad, Landon, and Evan talk about the game. And then we get a lot of time in between the mission and when they actually do the selection. Um, yeah, this time it's right. We're going to skip over one scene here, and then we're going to talk about uh, this heated conversation that Righteous Brad has with Tori. And I will say that Tori, for 90% of this, handles this very well. And she's being a calm, uh, like, reasonable person, right? Even though, it, like, what she wants to do may not be the smartest move from a game perspective, she's attempting to have a respectful conversation with Brad. And Brad starts to lose yeah. his shit. And he, Brad says that he doesn't want to go to... Uh, if, he, if, if they go against the people that are running the list they're not going to protect them anymore. And so that they have to stick the, to the list despite what Tori wants to do. And Tori says that she doesn't want to go along with the list anymore because she doesn't feel like it's not playing the game with an integrity. And then this is where Brad says, or th- this is where Tori says, this is where Tori kind of just like loses some uh, control here. And she goes, Brad, you look stupid. And then at a certain point, I think she leaves the room, right? What the, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, so I think we – this conversation is edited very weirdly. And like a lot of conversations on the show are edited really. It's just what happens. But this one in particular, it's, it's very hard for me to get a grasp on what they're discussing because Tori at one point mentions that she thinks whoever's going to be left at the bottom of the list, who they don't explicitly say, yeah. is going to call her out, which is a real concern I think that I, I would be worried about at that point if you have a good good confirmation on that. I wonder who she, wa- What's that, I wonder who she wants to go with. Like who do, you, who do you think she wants to pick here? 
Yeah, what's the big rebel move that they could even pull off at this point? Like, I don't, I they don't know. Can't. I'm curious. To, like, yeah, I don't know what that is. And then I also, I really think that a lot of this is just Brad talking about how he has a deal with Evan, Mark, and Landon to split the money, and she yeah. might not feel okay with that. That might be the one thing she has an integrity. I think issue that's with. exactly the piece of information we're missing. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what it is. And when you know that, that puts this entire conversation into a completely different perspective. So the one rebel, yeah. one rebel move that you could do here is you could just call out Isaac, right? Which would, if she doesn't want to go against Ruthie because she thinks Ruthie's going to be at the bottom, she could call out Isaac and then Isaac's going to pick Ruthie. And that means Ruthie's not going to go in. Um, but yeah. It just depends where they are on the order too. Cause like if they're already at the bottom of like, if like if Evan and Landy get called before they do, then at that point they're already like, and MJ's like with their alliance, but not entirely. So I guess he would have to be picked up too. Yeah. Um, so that that would be going against it a little bit, but I don't. I really don't think it's that. Like, I don't know. I, re- I really think it's more pertaining towards the the money splitting since, since we have such good information on that. It, this conversation does track a lot more with that, especially as they talk more about definitely it. possible. Yeah, Braden. Here's a big note, though. Serious note, though. At the end of this conversation, if you are in a relationship with anyone, the worst passive aggressive move you can ever do is make your point, walk out of the room and do an exaggerated. I love you in the voice that Tori did to Brad, because <laughs> if my wife had done that to me, my fist would have gone through a wall because it's just such like this passive aggressive, like, I think you're a dumbass, but I love you anyway, kind of thing. But it was meant from like, almost like a demeaning, like dude, dehumanizing perspective. It's like, the, it was just like, dude, that was brutal. Dude. It's the, uh, the Dane cook in like one of Dane cooks, like first like skits. Do you remember this from the vicious circle where Dane cook talks about how he gotten, he, he gets into, got into an argument with his girlfriend or something. And when he gets into an argument with his girlfriend, she'll just make some like subtle remark that will eat him away. Like hours later and he'll erupt. And he said that he got into an argument with his girlfriend once and she was like, you're stupid, just like your father. And he said like hours later, he's like <laughs> pacing around in the basement back and forth, back and forth. And then just out of nowhere, he goes, my father's a brilliant man. Just like at the top of his lungs. Um, <laughs> Very the only exposure to Dane Cook here. I really ever had was based on some circumstances that I was not pleased with. I was at one point forced to watch Good Luck Chuck. Do you guys know that movie? Yeah, I think I've seen it. I know that movie. Not not a good, very, not a great very, very bad movie. Very bad. Do not recommend. That um, dude was on yeah, the cusp of like being a real superstar and he picked some really bad movies to be in. I mean, he was huge yeah, for, so not a good he was huge for a while. Not that long. A good five a years. Very My, short yeah. That's the No, no, no. It was like five years. And in that world, like five he was years. by far the most successful stand-up comedian for like five years because I was in college. Well, it's because he did movies and the movie sucked and then he didn't go back to stand-up. Richard Pryor was in plenty of bad movies and Richard Pryor is still extremely respected in the stand-up community. Dane Cook is not. That was also a different time though. It's a, yeah, I would say it's a different time and you, and people inside the comedian, it's the same thing with the challenge or football or whatever. When you get success really fast, people that have been working at it for years get really pissed and resentful of that person. And it doesn't matter how talented they are, anything like that. I mean, Dane Cook literally appeared out of nowhere and became like the top uh, my generation comedian overnight. 
And he sold out Madison Square Garden. Like, there's only been two other comedians that have done that. He was really... That's unbelievable when you think about it. He was really big into MySpace, remember? Wasn't that how he got, like, a lot of his fans? It was AOL Instant Messenger and MySpace. We we are, like, really... I mean, this is the era of the show we're talking about, though. This is that era. And so, like, it all kind of parallels a little bit. That culture melting pot... He, I remember he used to put his screen name on like the website and he would log into AOL instant messenger and he would get deluged by like 5,000 messages from fans immediately. And then his MySpace thing, like he had a rule where he would at least respond to any message sent to him on MySpace. So he cultivated a following really hard. He was like really he, the fan he worked engagement. for that audience. Yeah. Fan engagement for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. He was one of the first like celebrities to do that. So now you have social media culture that is what he was one of the first yeah the challenge people make a living off of social media culture now all right so we get into the selection for episode five uh mark and rachel pick landon uh and isaac gets a funny confessional here where he says at the beginning of the list when people start to pick that's when he catches up on his thinking time because he knows he knows he's not going to come up anytime soon (laughs) isaac is definitely like I mean, he's got some very weird qualities, but he's also like a very like normal guy type aspect to him as well. I feel like, like I just remember like him against Landon is just like, dude, this looks like somebody who they just picked out of the street and they're like, hey, you're going up against this dude in this competition. We have someone on Discord left a, a question that yep. branches into that. Give a we'll shout out about, to yeah, him. we'll talk about that when we get to the actual elimination. Um, who? Okay, so. We get down to the list. It gets to the point where it's Tori's turn. She picks MJ and she gives a confession where she says she decided to stick with the list and what they were supposed to do. Uh, Anissa, this is the other point of contention in this list selection process. Anissa picks easy. Ruthie says she feels betrayed. And this is where Anissa was supposed to pick Isaac so that Ruthie would be saved. Ruthie knows she's going to be at the bottom now. And that's what happens. Ruthie and Isaac are the last left. Isaac, in a shocking uh, moment where he decides to revenge the death of his toenail, picks Landon to go against in elimination. And Ruthie (laughs) picks Kim. And Isaac deliberately says this is because of his toenail. Uh, Do you think he's just trying to, like, make some good TV here? Or do you think he's completely unaware of how good Landon is at this? Uh, I think Isaac is like I can see him picking him because of the toenail like he's just like that type of dude I mean to relax he was doing ballet whatever on a box in a room and he was legitimately angry when someone interrupted his happy time like on the reunion they go into detail how pissed he was that people were like making fun of him he's like I was relaxing like he's out there, man. Like he really might have just picked Landon for the toenail. I believe it. Ruthie picks Kim, and when they do the dual selection game, Ruthie gets back off, and Isaac gets spot on. Back at the house, and this is pretty much the only scene that we get before the elimination because we spent so much time before the selection on Brad and Tori and some other scenes. Kim says that physical contact isn't her thing, and she's kind of apprehensive about going against Ruthie and she says she hurt her uh, wrist in the last challenge. So the men play spot on Isaac versus Landon spot on is the climbing game where as you climb up the wall, 
you kind of fill in some different puzzle pieces until you fill in all of the empty puzzle pieces on the wall. Again, C part one. Um, Isaac seems like he's doing okay, but at the end of the day, he's going in against Landon in a in a climbing slash puzzle. Eliminate. Do we think he was ever that close? No. Like people are like, "Oh, they're kind no. of 50, no. 50 at like one edited. point." I'm like, it was "Dude, he's dusty. He's, he got smoked." Like it's not a question. He's going in against Landon in a climbing slash puzzle mission. Like this couldn't be any more up Landon's alley. Uh, so, like no, right now is probably like, the right Isaac time. Isaac is just kind of bumbling. Isaac is like just kind of like bumbling around up and down the wall. Like he looks, he looks like he looks like he's putting the puzzle pieces in accurately at least. But with Landon, it's it's just yeah, no, no question, no absolute question about it. I think with a lot of these climbing missions too, it can seem with the ones where they go up and down repeatedly, they can kind of like show you things in a certain way where it looks a little bit more even. But there's a certain point where I'm looking at it, I'm like, Landon's like done, and Isaac's gotten like three pieces in. So Chalmers in Discord asks, where does Isaac calling out Landon rank for dumbest elimination callouts? It's pretty high up there. Yeah, like I like. I don't know. What do you do if you're here in this situation, Trace? Like, there's just not. I think you do what Chase recommended below that in the Discord chat as well. After watching Nehemiah nearly beat Evan, why didn't Isaac, Derek, or Dunbar call out Evan? Because quite frankly, it would have been a war of nutrition, and Evan would have eventually folded. That's, that's not I, a bad yeah, move, honestly. That is just, the just right move. Three times in a yeah, row, he says yeah. nutrition, but he means attrition for sure. Um, and just attrition. And just try and like yeah. beat him to the ground. I mean, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, like. That is what you do. If you want to break up that main alliance, you keep going after the guy who's already been in twice because we've already seen that mentally it really shook him up that he had to go in a second time. If he got called in a he third might time kill in a row. Isaac if he has to go in the third time. Like he would <laughs> Well, I don't think Isaac had a chance in any of these eliminations personally, but at the same time, yeah, like that the is smart really probably his best call play. out Evan. Yeah, you call out Evan. Yeah. So well done, Chase, on that one. So both Chalmers and Chase. Good points. And we'll read we'll read the rest of these when we get to them. Actually, we'll read another one of Chalmers right now. Uh, he says, so pretty much what happens here, and we'll read it right after Ruthie loses here, but uh, the women play back off. It's pretty much where you have a hook attached to your back harness. You have to take the hook off of your opponent and place it on a ring. Um, Kim really holds her own here. Uh, Ruthie makes an attempt to trip her. Um, and, and Rachel makes a comment that Kim is just playing this game a lot smarter than Ruthie. And that's when Kim kind of draws Ruthie in to get her hook. And Kim wins the first round and goes into the much, the second round. Does Ruthie like know what she's doing? I don't know. She, Kim goes into the second round much more confident. Um, and she pretty much, Kim just kind of draws Ruthie in closer to the hook that, uh, she has to put, or to the, the, the ring that, Kim has to put Ruthie's hook on, right? So she just has to travel less, less of a distance. I don't know. If, I don't know what the hell Ruthie's doing here. Uh, I, I think Ruthie's super confused in this elimination because she seems pretty clear like she's overpowering Kim pretty easily just based on like how they're getting moved. She's but trying to wrestle her. She's like, trying to remember, put the hook like, on her own. Yeah, she's trying to put the hook on her own hoop. Like, and they're like, no, you got to go to the other one. It takes her a minute to get over there. I just think she's completely discombobulated in this elimination. Like, I, I just think she's entirely out of it. So Chalmers asks, do you guys think uh, this is Ruthie's most disappointing showing? Because I do. Um, 
Her sample size is real small. It probably is. It's a really small sample. It probably is, though. Uh, It probably is. This this is bad. Like, she just didn't seem like she knew what she was doing at all. And it's not like she hadn't seen this game being played before. And it's not like CJ didn't explain the rules well enough. Like, she should have known what she was getting into when she was going into this elimination. And, yeah, yeah, she just clearly doesn't even seem like she knows what the rules are. Yeah. You know what's interesting is when we watch eliminations – it's usually the people that pay really close attention to the rules that do really well. Yeah. And it felt like Ruthie was spending the entire time the rules were being explained trying to like psych out Kim, like wasn't really paying attention. And he specifically said, you know, you have to go for the hook. And he kept saying during the elimination, you got to go for the hook, Ruthie, go for the hook. You're wrestling or go for the hook. It just seemed like she had psyched herself up so hard that her brain just disappeared in this elimination. It just, it was gone. Yeah, it's it's just weird because you remember like in the Anissa versus Siobhan version of this elimination, like you know, like <laughs> Anissa is it's kind of a similar situation in that like what I'm saying is like Anissa overpowers Siobhan, like Ruthie's overpowering Kim, but Anissa clearly knows what she's doing. She overpowers her, mm-hmm. takes it, goes right to the thing, gets it done, look at you know, easy like that. And Ruthie is just not not happening. All right, um, what to do? What to do? All right, back at the house, Kim says that she proved something to herself. Anissa says that she's glad Ruthie didn't come back because if she did, Ruthie would have been after her and been going wild. Um, Tori has a conversation with Brad and Brad tells her that it's a mean game. uh, And Tori says she feels like she made a mistake, which I'm not entirely sure what that mistake is, but she wants to do whatever it takes to be with him. And Brad says that, uh, it may she may have been I don't remember the exact context that I made that note in. She could have she could have just been talking about the, the fight, her, them having the fight could have been a mistake, to be fair. I don't remember. Um but they both pretty much just make up over the fight that they had before. Brad said he doesn't care about the game like he did before, and they just talk about how they want to be with each other. Episode six commences. Paula and Dunbar argue. Evan says that it's starting to feel like the Jerry Springer show in the house. Paula tells this is kind of like the big like two episode send off for Paula and Dunbar where they get a ton of visibility for the next episode and their relationship with each other and then they just both go home. But Paula tells Dunbar that uh, people hate him and Dunbar keeps telling her not to say that. He gets really offended by this and <laughs> nobody likes you. Dunbar says that uh, the most. That was a good impression. That was really good, Rob. I like that one. That was good. Dunbar has a uh, shocking quote here where he says that having a, or a shocking statement where he says that having a stable re- relationship with Paula is difficult to have. Uh, so surprise. Dunbar talks with uh, Kim about Paula and Dunbar says that he feels like he's in a good place with Kim. Uh, what what exactly that means, we're, we'll come to soon to find out. And Kim says that he has to separate from Paula in this game if he wants to be able to last. So this is where we start to build on the Kim or Kim Dunbar dynamic, which pretty much lasts this episode and the next. We don't get really any. There's a lot of Kim Dunbar. Paula's really just all over the place, yeah. right? With 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 this season, I mean, she's full like. She's like like Breakfast Club basket case, whatever her name is. Like that's that's Paula this season completely. She's just a mess. And you understand there's a reason. Back, 
Yeah, you got backs of the previous season, and then her unfortunate plight continues until she's paired with Evelyn and Emily. All right. Yeah. There's a reason they call her Paula Walnuts. Yeah. All right. The girls give the guys facials in the next scene. This is to kind of give Easy a big visibility spike for him to be able to go home this episode. Um, <laughs> Paula. He really just they really not do telegraph it. Well, think I mean, with him, like we've seen it even on All Stars now, but on this season and then on Fresh Me, and really even the duel, like on seasons that aren't teams, he just does not have a plot line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's just because all he does is show up and party. That's it. There's that, but it's also like on the team seasons, he's just always the person people are trying to get rid of, and he's like, "Oh, people are trying to get rid of me, and I'm sad about it, and it's you know, I, it's underrated, <laughs> whatever." That and that, kind of that, that's a beat that they play with him. Man, I'm big easy. I don't go down. That, that's exactly. That's yeah. just the beat that they play with him and Katie on the seasons that they're on in team seasons. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just what happens. But like, Katie at least has like other stuff that I feel like that she's involved in. With him, that's really not the case. He's just kind of like he'll have a few party scenes. That's it. Like Katie with the plunger. Which yeah. we're, we're not we're, we're within <laughs> spinning distance from. Uh, Still one of the funniest moments ever in the show. So Paula confronts Dunbar about Kim. She wants to know if he's cuddled with Kim, and Dunbar says that Paula is very territorial over him, which is kind of true. And yeah. it is. We get another scene where Kim talks with Derek about the game, which is um. I don't, know, I don't really know why they included this. We're not even going to talk about this next. Uh, <laughs> we get to the challenge for episode. Look in the show notes if you care in our consulate. Uh, for episode five uh, called Dangle Duo, contestants will compete in guy girl pairs. There's a ladder suspended in the air that reaches 100 feet at its height, at, at its tallest point. The object is for pairs to climb the ladder to get to the top and then raise a flag with a pulley system to the top of the ladder. As you climb up the ladder, the far, the the further apart the rungs are of the ladder. So when you're at the bottom, there may be, I don't know, like a, a height distance apart or you're like however tall you are. So the, the, the further up the ladder you are, the farther apart the rungs are, so it makes it more difficult. The team with the fastest time to climb to the top wins. There's a 20-minute time limit, and if you fall off, you get DQ'd. Those are the two situations where you get uh, DQ'd. I like this one. Um, I don't know. I thought... It's hard. Yeah, there's definitely like quite a bit of physicality in this. So even though they don't all compete at once and it's kind of repetitive, you can kind of see the strategy evolve, right? There's definitely like a game that they're playing here where um, there's different approaches that you can take that are based off of your physical prowess, uh, more efficient ways to conduct this than some. Well, I think Honestly, it was I think one of those Brittany and Landon people... winning this is really impressive, considering they're going up against Mark and Rachel. Because it seems like they should have a huge advantage in this, right? Yeah, you would think so. But I also believe that it was a matter of listening to the rules closely again. Like all these teams were like crisscrossing and all that stuff, and Landon was like, "At no point did they say we had to crisscross every rung, just the first one." Like, why? Why are all these teams doing it this way when they could just do it that way and go straight up? So, I mean, to me, it was just they paid attention. And then it was impressive how fast they did it on top of that. It was really good because like you just said, like Mark and Rachel, I would have picked them to win this before it started. Height is definitely a very important factor in this as Jen says at a certain point. So why, why do people think that they need to go back and forth? Why are people doing that? I don't know. Not very good at listening to the rules, like with Rusi last episode, I guess. It doesn't seem like there would be any type of advantage to doing that. 
Um, oh no, not at all. And so the strategy that you're just I mean, wasting seconds. Pairs where, like with like Big Easy and Jen, for example, Jen's just too short; she's not going to be able to reach the top. So Big Easy has to really help her to get up. So they, at that time, they would kind of naturally crisscross. But yeah, I don't see why. The advantage that, or well, yeah. So the strategy that Landon Brittany takes is that Landon pretty much grabs a hold of the chain. Brittany stands on top of Landon and then climbs up Landon with the chain to get to the the next rung above. And kind of just like uses him as a stool, and then Landon just pulls himself up, pretty much climbs up the chain because he's Landon. Um, and it seems like they crush everyone, but TJ said that Landon and Brittany beat Mark and Rachel. So Mark and Ra- Rachel were second. Did they give a, an exact amount of time by how much they beat him by, or no? I don't remember. They might have, but I don't remember. There's one of these where I think he says that they beat Mark and Rachel by like 25 seconds or something like that. I don't know if it was this one or a different mm-hmm. one, but no, I think well, actually no, that might be this one. I think it might have been this one because the next one. I know you're right. Yeah, it, I think it's this one. Like when Brittany says that um, Mark and Rachel are going to be thinking about 11 seconds for the rest of their you know years or something. Yeah, something along those lines. Oh yeah, yeah, 25 seconds for like as long as that's right, yeah. that's right, that's right. Um, back at the house, Landon tells Brittany that uh, he thinks the weakest person should go into the duel. This is kind of where they get start to have the feel a little bit guilty on about how everything's been going, and they don't want to de- they don't want to decide what the list is going to be. They just want to pick the first person and then let it figure itself out. Because at the end of the day, they're just going to call out people in their alliance anyway um, as the list goes down the chain. Paula comes outside to see Dunbar at night, uh, run out of the bushes and <clears throat> finds Kim in the bushes uh, behind. And they try to deny that anything was going on first. And Paula, uh, just in like a really like, I don't want to say it, uh, but in like a really like jackass moment tells Dunbar that he's going to tell his girlfriend at home that Dunbar was like out in the bushes like making out with the girl. It's like, come on, Paula. Like, um, well, it's going to be on TV. She yeah, doesn't have to tell. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's going to be like, well aware that this is happening, but, uh, we get a random, I don't get why the editors did this. So we have that moment, right? Where it's Dunbar, Paula and Kim. And then they sprinkle this random moment in where Brad talks to Big Easy talking about how uh, Easy isn't going to be at the bottom. They should have just put that before because we go that Paula, Kim, Dunbar, Easy, and then back to Paula uh, confronting Dunbar on the couch where Dunbar is snuggling with Kim. Paula gets really upset that. Kim, Kim and Dunbar are together, and she tries to say that she's jealous. She is not jealous of them, but she, quite frankly, is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very. Well, it was also that one. It's like Mark Long and I think it's a Landon, somebody else are sitting in the kitchen, MJ. and they're like, think, we've been trying to figure MJ's it out. Sitting in the couch, and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go figure it out. I know who it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's one of those things where they were just stirring the pot, they knew who was there. There wasn't even a question they knew who was there. It was just a pot stir right there just to get some entertainment. That's all that was. We get to the selection for episode six. Landon and Brittany, shocker, uh, pick Mark Long first. Uh, no. One of the biggest blind size in, in the show's history. And wait a minute. And then Rachel picked Evan? You don't say. <laughs> Derek and Kim are last. And 
Oh, wait. No, that's not right. Uh, so Dunbar, yeah, it's Dunbar pretty much has to decide between Paula and Kim about who will. It's funny how this worked out. This was perfect. It, it is really funny how this worked mm-hmm. out. So yeah. Dunbar has to pick between Paula and Kim. Whoever he doesn't pick is going in, going to go into elimination. And he struggles. And it takes it takes him a moment to make a decision. TJ uh, gestures him on to make his decision. And he ends up picking Paula. And I'm kind of surprised, right? Because at this point, it doesn't seem like they really like each other. I'm not. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like they're on good I mean, terms at all. Yeah, but there's like the partners aspect, and I don't. I'm not surprised. Like I just think, yeah, because he also says right afterwards that Kim would, Paul would have definitely picked Kim to go in. So, which would have been really yeah. good. That would have made way, this even better. They, he should have gone for the TV moment. He should have put it, put his producer. It would have been even worse for his game. About TV moments, Dunbar is just like. Man, that it's kind of like, that would have put this episode like over, over the top. So if he picks Kim here, <laughs> dude, isn't really Paul, that Paula and him are just Paul, gonna like Paula Dunbar Kim dude, love triangle. Like this is not immediately TV after this selection. <laughs> Paula's gonna be losing her mind at Dunbar, dude. He's, she's gonna be just flipping out, <laughs> and then we're gonna get the elimination of Paula versus Kim, which actually, like on paper, is a pretty good elimination too. That's actually pretty good. I don't know, man. Mentally I just deranged Paula against Kim. It's not doing it for me. I'm sorry to say. Paula's pretty funny <laughs> throughout this, but outside of that, this is not doing it for me. All right, so Kim and Dunbar are pretty boring Dunbar people. Is not, Dunbar, show. I hate to tell to tell you the guy this. He's not exactly the most like engaging personality throughout his time <laughs> on the show. They call him Grumpy Bear for a reason. <laughs> Derek and Kim are last. Derek uh, calls out Easy. Kim calls out Jen. And Derek gets dual pole dancing, which is... Probably, That's great for him. yeah, one of the two eliminations that he would definitely want. And Kim gets pushover uh, after she calls out Jen. Lane and Brad talk to Easy. Lane and mentions that uh, he, sh- he needs to try and knock off Derek a couple of times to be able to have a chance or to make it more competitive or be able to optimize what he's doing. Rachel talks up Jen and we get a conversation where um, Dunbar talks up Kim and okay, here we go. So we actually messed up my notes here. So that's pretty much all we have before we get into elimination and there's not much more easy. We get dual pole dancing for the men and it's pretty much, you have to, you pretty much have to t- climb up this column that has rock climbing uh, holds attached to it all the way up. You have to climb to the top and w- ring a bell or a flag or I don't know, do something. So easy try. And the path crosses, by the way, like you can't just go straight up. You actually have to go around and up the thing. So that's why it's a little tougher. Yeah. So there's opportunities where you can knock your opponent off. Easy keeps trying to do that, but he's doing it way too soon. He needs to try and climb up a little and then knock Derek off because they're just like standing on the ground and he's knocking Derek off right away. Yeah, it's very much just like the beginning of this is very it's like you do Derek gets up like two pegs and easy pulls down. Like this is ridiculous. Like it was, I mean, it was it was honestly one of the saddest eliminations you could watch. Like because first of all, Derek McRae seems like a really nice dude. 
really nice dude. Terrible competitor on the show. Like, really bad. And then you've got Big Easy, who we've said a lot about him. I won't bury the guy any further than I have in the past. <laughs> but, like, it looked like Big Easy. This is what it looked like. For the first bit, it was like Big Easy was already winded before he started climbing. <laughs> and he was just, like, swatting Derek like he was a fly. Just pull, just swat him. And then eventually he got tired of swatting and couldn't even reach up. And Derek just climbed the pole. Like it was really sad. Like it was I'm not. I'm honestly surprised that TJ did or somebody didn't step in like earlier on and was like, "We this can't continue like this. You have to let him climb up to some degree." And like there had to there had to have been some sort of switch up. Like it was. You ridiculous. can't pull him down unless you're both on the pole. Yeah. Like come on, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, like this was crazy. Uh, because it, he was trying to pretty much just like screen him off at some points, you know what I mean? Like Derek would like try and like go to the ball, and Easy would just like shuffle him. The only the only redeeming part about this elimination is Kimberly screaming her mind out as Derek is climbing <laughs> yeah. up the pole, like there's losing one scene, her mind. Um, like there's one scene where like Paula like has this like weird like glee on her face for some reason. I guess I don't know why. And like she just Brittany's got like Kim. the most annoyed look with, with her about Kimberly. That's the one I would have rather had a video of that, honestly, than the big easy Derek thing because it was a mess. All right, so Derek ends up winning comfortably. Everyone says goodbye to Easy. Kim and Jen do push over. We already did that once this episode, so we're not going to explain it again. Kim, oh, well, I guess we'll take two seconds. You get the you get the pads, and you have to push your opponent off the platform. First person to do it. Not hard to explain. First person that does it two out of three times that wins. Uh, Kim gets crushed pretty hard on the first impact here. Jen wins comfortably. Um, Dunbar gets emotional when Kim gets sent home. Uh, he says he's sad. And Brittany pretty much has the quote here, that, or the confessional here that everyone else is thinking. And he says that Dunbar is heart, heartbroken, but it's weird because they've only been closed for a couple of days. <laughs> so... Yeah, man. Um, back at that, Jen really does thrive this year. Like, this is not close. Yeah, mm. and I mean, Kim. Kim said it at a certain point. She just doesn't do good with physical confrontation. But I mean, she did well last episode with Ruthie. But she was. But like, I don't think she, I still think you did well with the physical part of that elimination. I just think Ruthie didn't know what she was. That's doing. what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, she just didn't did, didn't get the object of the game here, but. Uh, Back at the house, uh, Derek says that he knows now that he's going to have to go in again and again and that he's the person at the bottom. Dunbar tells Paula that he doesn't want to uh, talk to her if she's going to be a bad friend. And this is where Dunbar goes outside and like works on his notebook or something. Um, and he says that life in the, the house is now going to be lonely for him without Kim. So poor Dunbar. Is it this episode or the next one where Paula reads the letter that Dunbar wrote Kim? Like, is or wrote her, somebody wrote a note and like Paula reads it and it's just brutal. I don't think that's this season. It doesn't happen next episode. That's on the shit show. Oh, that's on the it? shit okay. show. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. when we we it's have to cover the reunion now, shit right? show. The shit shows from this era are epic. Well, they just uh, stopped I mean, doing them. I know they're incredible, but they there were some. The last one was X's, I think. No, Bloodlines has one. Bloodlines has one. Okay, a lot of there's a lot of Jen and Brianna content on that. Uh, oh, that, that would make it yeah. really worth big, watching. Then big shocker, yeah. So this is going to be the last episode that we cover for today, episode seven. Paula says that 
no one has her back in the house and that Dunbar is mad at her. Anissa says that no one there has seen a hundred thousand dollars in cash and cash. And she says that, uh, th- she thinks she's on her own. Apparently there's a lot of people in the house. that think they're on their own when I guess really they're on their own and not. On their own. Anissa seems pretty well insulated here. Honestly, like she, she's got a pretty good crew rolling with um, her. DM tells Dunbar in a conversation that they're having in a room by themselves, that it would be good for him in the house to have a friend in the house. That's not a girl. Um, Dunbar says that he's missed Kim over the last couple of days and that, uh, oh, and then they sprinkle a random, random confessional in here, a comment from DM where she says she thinks the next mission is going to be an individual based mission because they've done so many pairs, uh, missions in a row, which is exactly what happens because why else would they include that? Um, Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, they could have brought that could have been heard in episode three, but like they it just could have been. Out. Well, it's a conversation where they I don't remember if it was in the confessional or I don't or it could have been a conversation with Dunbar that they were having right there. You know what I mean? Um, I suppose yeah. I remember specifically, though, it's not like it's edited in a fashion where you don't see her say it. So it could have even been spiced in MJ. Uh, we get another family talk from MJ. Um where he talks about how he's going to have a second child when he gets home and how the money's going to go to his child. We get into the mission for episode seven called burnt. This image, uh, this mission will be done individually. There's a giant structure suspended 30 feet over a lake. Contestants will compete against their own sex and be hung from the bottom of the structure facing the shore of the lake. Each contestant will pull on a pulley structure that brings a flag attached to a rope from where, where they are to the shore. And once the flag gets to the shore uh, at the other end, their time is essentially done. The person who is the last person to pull their flag to the shore will have their barrel explode and be released from the giant structure and fall to the water and be eliminated from the challenge. And they just continue to go through this process until there's one person left for each sex that will have won the mission for that day. So it's pretty much... Uh, they whittle people uh, down to the end as they go through this endurance uh, competition. I like this. You didn't like this one? I didn't think this one was not a fan trace. Why not? I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Rep- too repetitive? Eh. It, it was not. It's too. It went too long. Half as long. It was repetitive and it went too long. And half as long. That's my note. Half as long. Half as long. Half as long. It's <laughs> all it needs to be. I mean, in all seriousness, though, about it, it looked exhausting. Those guys were like, it looked like the circulation was being cut off on some of these guys because Evan to quit on a challenge and just be like, drop me, I'm done. That doesn't normally happen. Yeah. I honestly would have almost preferred if it was less hard. Yeah. Like, I kind of would have want to see this mission where the guys are all going up or the guys and the women are going all up against each other, you know, evenly. I, I think adding that as a variable is actually kind of takes away. Yeah, Evan couldn't even move here at the very end. He pretty much, yeah, like... Well, I mean, most of the, a lot of people look, look pretty bad. Tori's not looking good. Like, every, Mark everybody Long basically quit. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, Tori and Evan pretty much just has to be removed because they could barely, um, barely do anything. Uh, so, who you would assume for the men would win this, wins for the men. So, Landon carries, carries the torch to victory. And... And for the women, it comes down to Rachel versus Brittany. And it both seems like they're pulling it pretty fast and it looks pretty close, but Brittany pulls out the win in the end. Uh, so this is definitely probably to this point, Brittany's 
most this is probably her most impressive moment of the season to this point, right? Well, it's the only thing she's won on her own. Everything else, it was a partner-based win. Like, this is her first solo win, and it was impressive. Mm-hmm. So kudos to her. I would say, though, like, they say, like, Rachel's won all the first few, and it seems like Brittany does, like, a decent job conserving her energy. So I don't think she just beats Rachel outright each time. I think she just picks her spots really well. Which is the smart thing to do, correct? That definitely, yeah. yeah. Just be faster than the last place person. That's all you have to do until the final. Mm-hmm. Um. We get into the deliberation between Landon and Brittany about who will be the first to be selected for the list. And he says that he wants to pick Brad first. And I think it's because Brad came in second against him in the mission that day. So we get to the selection. Brad indeed does get chosen first. And the same three men are on the bottom. Um, It comes down to Paula and Dunbar. And who are the other last two people here? It's uh, Jen, right? Jen and Derek. Yeah, Jen and Derek and Paul and Dunbar. And what happens here? Well, so Nisa picks Derek, right? Or Nisa, yeah, Nisa picks Derek and then Derek picks Jen. I think the interesting thing here is Derek says he picks his partner, Jen, and they have yet to be partners at that point. Yeah. That is interesting. Because Kim went home and Jen lost easy, so they became a duo. So Paula and Dunbar, but they hadn't even been a duo. Like they just they really did an individual. They're just on the individual. So They're that voting weird. partners is about all you can yeah. say. So Paula and Dunbar uh, go into the duel. Paula decides that she wants to go in against Anissa. This is going to be the third time that they have gone against each other in an elimination. Uh, Dunbar picks MJ. Which what do we think about that? Let's look down the list real quick. I mean, Dunbar's the weakest competitor of these guys. He can't. I mean, like, like Trace and I are just much more on the swing for the big fish. So, like, what do you think here, Bucci? Who, who, who are we targeting? At this point, though... You go for Evan again. He's had some time to recover here. Why doesn't he just pick... So, at this point, though, like, there's no way you're going to be able to break that alliance apart. There's just too many people. There's not enough fat to trim here. It's not like... For me, it's not even really about explicitly breaking it apart at that point, though. I don't know. So if I... If I mean, I think you... If you... If, okay, if you pick someone that's at the bottom like you, you're just... You're just setting yourself up. To, I, I mean, you're, you're probably going... accomplishing with that. Yeah, I think you have to try to break up the bigger alliance and hope that you and the guy on the bottom are still there and you can swing something. I mean, I think you swing again and go Evan... Just because he gassed out so bad on that 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 challenge with the rope and the arm thing, he's already been in. He's had some recovery, but I mean, do you really want to go against Landon in elimination? I want to no. go against Derek, Brad, because he's, he's on the bottom. Just, and he just went in too. Yeah, but I'd rather take. He's my, on the bottom though. You need him. You're not. There's not enough people here to like form an alliance with. So, like, even if you can like. Well, but the thing is, also with an alliance, and this season, alliance is only as good as you guys are at missions. Like, to have an alliance with a yes. bunch of people who suck doesn't accomplish as much. Meaningless. Right. You're still uh-huh. a sitting duck, but you have a better shot if MJ Dunbar and uh, Derek can form something. MJ's at the very bottom of that main alliance, and he knew it. And at, at some point, like you said, Devin, it's like Survivor. You have to pick your spots. Like, Do you think... There are times where you can make a move and swing a vote if you make the right compelling argument. Do you think uh, MJ is on the bottom of the alliance here? Who does he end up losing to again? 
He specifically said it. He's, in he's, one of his he's, he's definitely below uh, Brad, Landon, Evan, Evan, and Mark. Who, who else would he be? He knows he's number five. I think he knows he's number five. I think he would be ahead of uh, Brad and potentially Evan. Like I think. I don't think so at I all. Think, no, no, I think no, Lane, no, no, I think no Landon chance. and Mark are probably closer with MJ. No shot. You don't think? No, no Why? shot. Like he's not. He, well, he's not getting part of the money. We don't, we, we don't think that he's getting part of the money? No. Why? He came in late. It's not happening. This era of the challenge, you had your preseason alliance slash whoever you make your alliance with on episode one, and you rode that alliance to the end. That's the way it always went. Who does he... Those four made their agreement, and they weren't going to change it. How... That's the way Mark Long plays. How close was the dual pole dancing with him and Brad? Do you remember? He's on, he doesn't uh... do dual pole dancing. They do elevator. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. They do have, yeah, they it's do still pole it. dancing. He's right. It's in the spelling air episode. Um, either that or it's wrong with Brad the Wikipedia. Brad it's, it's, it's Brad just yeah, out and Brad. danced him. It's either, it's either that or it's yeah. wrong on the Wikipedia. One of the two. It's Brad I, and MJ. I, I'm pretty they confident. They do dual pole dancing. No, no, no. It was dual pole dancing. Okay. All right. Because um, I remember Brad basically just, they kept both falling, and eventually Brad just out cardioed him. After this election, MJ says that even if he leaves, he's going he's gonna to be happy because that means he can see his family. Dunbar and Paula start to fight again. He says that Paula lacks faith in herself and he's tired of being her partner. Evan tells Dunbar that her behavior is, uh, in, a, in a side conversation with Dunbar, that Paula's behavior is very inconsistent. And then Evan goes in and has a conversation with Paula as she's getting prepared to go into elimination. And Paula tells Evan that she doesn't need him right now and that uh, no one wants her there. And that Evan, Evan says, well, I want that, that he wants her there and that she's her friend or that he's her friend. And Paula pretty much just isn't having it at this point, but she says like, she says she meant a real person when he says, well, person wants her. And then he said, Oh no, real person, not you. Yeah. Um, well, that was kind of a big deal, though, because they were really friends off the show. And like Evan's like, I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about real life. I'm your friend. And that that's a big distinction, I think, in a lot of ways in the show at this time, because they were show friends. But then there was also like real friends. And a lot of times you'll do stuff to the show friends that affect the real friendship outside of it. And it kind of did on the island with Paula. And obviously it happened here on the duel, too. So, I mean, I can't blame her for being upset, but she also kind of brought it on herself. Like, you know, at some point you got to look in the mirror and kind of accept that you she, have she's some responsibility. She's creating a lot of content situation. She's got to be leading confessionals. Oh, maybe Evan is, but like she, she's definitely up there for not winning any missions. Um, yeah. Be careful about this conversation. Pat will get mad again. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. The edgic conversation <laughs> when you start talking about confessional count. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're pretty much at the elimination yeah. now. Oh, well, well we, yeah, I guess we should talk there. about how Dunbar and Paula do make up kind of here uh, in a conversation that they have. And Dunbar says it comes down to miscommunication. And uh, Dunbar tells Paula how she makes them feel when they talk and they kind of make up. And this is kind of their coming together moment before they're both eliminated from the game. And then the, the last scene before elimination, which is quite funny, 
uh, Anissa gives MJ some cornrows and MJ is kind of meditating while she's doing it. And then Brad and Evan kind of come down and sit in a circle with MJ and hold hands uh, in a very uh, humorous scene. But mocking Nehemiah kind of way. Yeah, that, yeah, probably a lot of that was involved with. That's what a lot of that was, because that's what Nehemiah did was the, in his meditation type stuff. And so, like, that was them making fun of Nehemiah at the same time. So MJ and Dunbar play Elevator. This is another one. We mentioned this earlier, but uh, this one did look like it was very close, uh, where you can see how far each of them are apart from each other. And MJ ends up pulling it out. Dunbar goes home. He tells Paula to uh, win, um, and he doesn't want to see her on the flight home. She, he hopes that he she continues to be in the game. So it does seem like they bury all their drama to some extent here. Um, do we want to eulogize Dunbar at all? Hopefully not. We can move on. Another thought? Not particularly. Um, we didn't really talk we about eulogize him on Rivals too. Yeah, we don't really talk about Paul Kong out of Nisa here. I did think that was interesting. Okay, let's go down the list. Who who else would it's been a second time she's out of Nisa. I think people just should have yeah, called I out think, Tori. I think, yeah, I think Tori probably. I really think I would try it with Brittany. I just think you I think if you're able to free her up from landing at the same time your partner goes home, I think that could be a huge benefit to you. Okay. Uh... Yeah, because no offense to MJ, but if I had a choice between maybe partnering up with Landon or Brad or MJ, I'm picking Landon or Brad if I can. Yep. Um, this is the third time that Anissa and Paul have gone in elimination against each other. First time was in the duel in pole wrestle when Anissa beats Paula. Second time was in Inferno where it was kind of more of more of a timing climbing type elimination and Paula wins. Um, they play back off, which is they going again rivals. Yeah. They play back off. Um, Anissa. This is probably the best of the four times they win against each other. Yeah, it does. Paula doesn't get a, a win in this elimination. Does she, she doesn't get a, a point. I don't no. remember to be quite um, honest. So Paula goes home. It was, I don't know. The second round does seem to be pretty close, but in, in the end, Paula goes home. Everyone says goodbye. Um, and Evan has a, a closing comment where he says that this game tore Paula apart. After elimination, uh, MJ says, uh, the game comes down to if you can climb and if you have good endurance and if you're not afraid. And then Evan, uh, we get a closing uh, moment with Evan where he says that he hasn't won since the first mission and it's going to take a lot of backstabbing and cheating to win the game. Um, okay. Do we want to do some quick questions before we put a cap on this? I think yeah, we covered more. most of them. I feel yeah, like we covered them already. We had a lot of responses. The only other thing, um, let's see here. Okay, here's a couple questions that we haven't covered. So Chalmers again, he he said, um, "Well, I'll, I'm going to modify his question slightly because I don't want to get outside of the duel too." But realistically, in this era, who would you have rather seen brought in instead of MJ and Nehemiah? Chadwick um, and they're not. That's realistic. Not realistically, yeah, not this era. Realistically, I would want um, in this era. 
probably Kenny and Kenny and Derek, Derek yeah, K would probably West, be the Kenny two. And West. No, I think I think West definitely because it's been a little bit. West, you know, West was done still at this point. He had no interest to come back at this. Yeah, but he's time, on the so next season. Not, I think that still counts. I do too. Okay, fair enough. All right, yeah, I, mean, I, I would, would go Kenny I would, and Derek. I would want to see West. Honestly, just having CT stick around would have been good. Um, yeah. Who else are we forgetting? He like, likes Alton and Derek. Also, like, I just we haven't we haven't seen we haven't really saw Durrell in this type of format. Um, that and again, is a good pick. Abram. Yeah, I would want Weston Durrell. Abram would yeah, have been bad. He hasn't been on in a while. No, I wouldn't have been bad either. Well, he just came up from the island. He was on there. Yeah, I guess that's right, but he was again. barely on it. You know what I mean? He was there for yeah. two episodes. I actually really like the Durrell pick because we've never seen Durrell have to like play on his own and do the politic thing. We, that we don't way. really I see mean, Durrell really in this, like like in an individual format and one that's got like on the ground eliminations until invasion. Cause like fresh me too, he's on that, but like, that's a different kind of situation, I think. So it ain't just a pure individual. It's, it's yeah. It's not totally an invasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the other question is not really a question. It's just a funny comment. Um, yeah, this is good. He, uh, bean, Bean33 says, not dual two specific, but I think you guys should agree to make a cheesy challenge style intro featuring the three of you if you reach a certain number of subscribers. A promotion to we have the budget for I that. like this. Uh, we could pull something off. Oh, there's no budget for this. There's we could pull this off pretty easy. All we you need is a high def camera. Different locations. This is gonna be a very like you, that's so easy though. You just have your different sets and you, at your own place and you get somebody to film our, it and then we put a song in, over it. You know what I mean? Like we could we could do something. If, I don't know. I think this ends up looking like the Battle of the Bloodlines intro or something where they just have the different pairs showing but up. But that's it's the not point. Good. It's a bad challenge intro. That's the if thing. Could, like, it's supposed to be bad. If we could get 150 additional subscribers between now, so what's tomorrow going to be? May whatever? May, May 4th. May, May the 4th be with you. And the end of July. If we get 150 more between now and the end of July, look, I, I don't think we need to reserve ourselves to any of these claims. Like, I, I, th- I don't think we can put ourselves in a box with this. I, if we have I think the we can do this. Like, this would be fun. Like, I mean, now that we're doing the video, like, you know, the video stepping up a little bit notch. Like, Rob, you're you're, you're thinking of pro- problems here. I, I'm thinking of solutions. Like, we we could figure this out. I don't know if you're thinking of solutions. I think you're thinking of ideas. So I don't know, implementing them is a different question. I think I think we have the available resources. Easily figure this out. Like at the bare minimum, we could like Photoshop our faces on like some like videos. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but that sounds that's not like I feel like if we're doing this, it's going to be done well. I don't want to be involved still, in a product that's done. We can still do it well. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. I don't know. All right. Um, I think that's I think all. We can put a cap on this. Yeah, one. we've talked for a while. Um. Yeah, so far this season's good. Like, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed this one. Um, what else do we have to say? Do we have anything that we want to plug or that we need to announce before we leave? No, I think we're. I think no, we're for those of you listening on the public feed, uh, we have Patreon. You can join at the four dollar level. It includes all the bonus audio. If you join at the twelve dollar level, uh, there is a forthcoming challenge database uh, and video. So there's a little more perks. And then we've got some more perks coming for the inner consulate as well. Uh, that uh, we haven't quite finalized. But so those of you that are in the inner consulate coming soon. Um, but aside from that, yeah, you can go to the challenge chronicles.com support us on Patreon. Keep the pirate ship afloat. You can always go to uh, big dub diesel dub with two B's.com buy your shirt, buy your tote bag as our friend Greg has done. And my sister, ironically enough, bought a pink tote bag. So uh, all kinds of stuff you can do there. 
and we just thanks for listening. All right. Bye, everyone.